Just in case you've forgotten, let me tell you just in a who the hell I am. Stop. You're listening to The Skeleton Crew, the radio show that brings you blood, booze, and boobs. Exclusively on the Horophilia Podcast Network. Okay, it's the Skeleton Crew. We are back after show 100, the show you never thought you would hear. It is here today, show 101. It is February, February, and it's 2015, and we have some big announcements. Jamie Jenkins, my co-host for over, what, two years now? Wow, two years. Jamie, are you there? I am here. (laughs) She's I didn't know you were finished with your sentence. I thought you had more to say. <laughs> no, I was just reflecting on two years, then we'll oh, move yeah, on. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so two years, uh, a lot has has been accomplished. A lot has happened. A lot of changes, uh, wins and losses, things like that. But we have two big wins in 2015. As you know, Dan Chase is no longer on the show. So it was me and Jamie, and Dave was helping out at the end of 2014. And, uh, you know, we had a great time with him. And you know what? We decided that what better person, what more fitting person to be the third Skeleton Crew co-host than Dave Z. Also, he would do it. That was... (laughs) Who wouldn't do it? Are you kidding me? Well, thank you. Thank you both for, uh, you know, for the invite and... You know, I'm flattered, and I'm honored to be here, and it's a great, great place to be. So, mm, thank we you. We love you, Dave. Yeah, I love you too. And the listeners love you. Ah, thanks. I love you have them too. Approval rating. What do you say? Blu-ray. You have a, you know, you have a huge approval rating. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, thanks. You do. Thank you. Now, here's the thing. Now, people are probably saying, well, they built it up like it was some big reveal that Dave is uh, the third co-host, and we sort of thought that might happen anyway since he was there for the tail end of 2014. Well, guess what? We are not finished. Now, we have a fourth Skeleton Crew co-host. Now, this this is not the same as Dave. Dave is like, we'll be on like 100% of the show, and, and this guy just cannot stomach us that much per month. So he's going to hop on for a segment or two, but he will be on this entire show tonight, and it is the founding member of the Skeleton Crew, Michael J. himself. Ah, oh, well, nobody wants me to The curse of the Skeleton Crew. Well, yeah, I, I do curse you now, obviously, for whatever reason. Not the curse of Michael J., the curse of the Skeleton Crew. It's a whole thing now. So, Mike, how do you feel being back in the dungeon? Ah, well, after, um, I don't know what I would call the last uh, two years of my life. They've, there have been ups and downs and all arounds, but uh, it's it's definitely different. But it feels like home. Almost feels like I never left. Maybe that the- dusty carcass was in the corner that I kept wondering <laughs> what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike, you went from, like, a... Uh, 
a guy holding canes to like a rib cage. Yeah, I I was decapitated at one point. Yeah, just a rib cage, <laughs> yeah. no head. <laughs> yeah, right. Didn't somebody just have an arm once too, or something? Didn't you have just one arm, Jamie, at one point? I yeah, my arm sort of it just extended into nothing. I think it huh. still does. <laughs> it still does, it's, yes. I forgot to add the bottom. I'm waiting to see my well, because I don't have a cane. And so <laughs> <laughs> I should have just adopted a pimp cane, and then he wouldn't have to worry about trying to take that one out. Exactly. See? Keep your pimp hand strong. <laughs> if Jamie only had a pimp cane, she'd have a, a left arm. So, yeah. So that's the full skeleton crew now. That's what we're doing. Um, uh, we're going to try to keep it to the core group us four uh maybe once in a while a special guest but probably really not because we have to reestablish who we are because it's just been insanely crazy with that type of thing uh over the last year and especially with the big change with dan so we we have to really reestablish the sound of the show so i think that's the best way to do it just keep it very you know us this will be the season that everybody talks about you know like like years later uh, when people go back and they'll be like, well, the first season was good and then the second season was kind of weird. But then like in the third season, is this third? This is fourth. Got, okay. Yeah, and third season was really weird. And then in the fourth season, they really came into their own. And they and like those are the ones that are going to they're going to play in repeat, you know, that people will then become <laughs> yeah. really familiar with. Well, wow. <laughs> those are, are going to be the, uh, the syndicated episodes. Well, Mike feels the first season was the best season. Well, yeah, well, yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> well, I, I didn't say that, but I, I will say that, that this just is the season um, when Michael J. will officially bring the show down. I have that feeling in my stomach, too, but I'm, I'm going to go against my gut here and just leave you on. Okay. True to form, we need someone that we can trim off later. Exactly. <laughs> and, That's true. Know, yeah. Low-hanging fruit that when <laughs> chop them off, you know, we yes. like date. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, the previous uh, low-hanging fruit has fallen off the tree, so you needed a replacement for that. So. Yeah, but we need two because three is our goal. So we're gonna, <laughs> right, we're that's gonna what have... we learned. That's what we learned. If you want to keep three, then you bring on a, then you bring on a fourth that you can just lop off easily, and then right. then you're you know you never fall below the minimum. I, I'm just the unneeded appendage selection. <laughs> Hey, anything could happen. Any one of us might not be here. Shit. Who knows? Who knows? Only the shadow. I mean, the history of the show. Anything's possible, right? Alex might not be here next year. Who knows? Yeah. I just might stick with unlistenable assholes and I'll just, like, pass on the horror game and, uh, you know, someone else can take the reins. I don't know. I'll tell you what, Alex. It's a lot less aggravation. I'm not lying to you here. Actually, I haven't had any aggravation since, like, September, really. So... I really don't feel aggravated anymore. Nice. Is it a, is it a coincidence or not really? <laughs> oh, I had a coincidence today. Holy shit. Uh-oh. Listen to this. The craziest thing. You guys know Macho Man Randy Savage, right? The wrestler. No. Okay. He's only my third favorite wrestler. Okay, well, yeah, I'm right there with you, buddy. Well, listen to what happened. <laughs> I'm sitting there, <laughs> and I'm um, doing some work around the house, and I, had the, and I had music playing, and I had my iPod shuffle on. There's like 6,000 ridiculous amount of songs. Anything can come up anytime. So anyway, this, this this song comes on, and it's a rap tune. And be a man, Hogan. Be a man. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been <laughs> if I had that. That would have been even crazier. But this dude's rapping, and he says something about um, the Hall of Fame, about him being in the Hall of Fame. And when he says that, I get a text from my brother, and the text says, 
Macho Man's being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I ran right over. I showed my wife. I go, look at this. Can you believe this just just happened? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, That's isn't cool it? Win. Yeah, yeah. And they're announcing it tonight on Wrestling. Of course, by the time this drops, it's old news. But right now, it's new news, and they're announcing it tonight on the wrestling show. But he's like, yeah, Macho Man, Hall of Fame. And the guy said Hall of Fame on the track. I was like, wow. Supposedly, his new Blu-ray is like an atrocity. Like only a non-real purist, or, or yeah, like it's it's so like they glossed over so much shit, which they always do. And like a Stone Cold and some other random guy like got three hours or something, and Macho Man got the ninety-minute treatment. So what? Well, why don't we save this for unlistenable assholes? Because okay. can, I could talk right. ten minutes about this. So. I thought Dave was going to say he snapped into a Slim Jim or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the new uh, cast of characters, if you want to call us that. Uh, so that's that's the Skeleton Crew now, 2015. We're all happy and excited about it. It's a very fun show again. And uh, it's a great time, even though it's only been like uh, eight minutes. But uh, Skeleton Crew number 101, that's sort of a big deal because we weren't supposed to go this far and then uh you know 101 obviously it just clicked you know something 101 so horror 101 so what can we do with horror 101 uh there's not there's not too many routes you can go with something like that so we just decided that it would be kind of cool to overview horror as a whole uh how did it start where did it really find its place when it first got its footing down um, what progressed from there? Did it come back around? Like, you know how things are retro? And they actually were. Things that went on in the 30s happened again in, like, the 60s. So that's interesting. And then uh, did that happen again in our time? And things like that. And what did uh, horror learn from the past? And what did they take from the past? And just the progression overall. Things like that. We're not really experts. We, we're not really people to be doing a one-on-one horror one-on-one show. But it's, uh, you know, we're going to give a, a fan perspective, you know, just like anybody else who's not a fucking scholar or film historian. So, uh, you know, people with lives is basically the ones that have been doing this. So that's about it, right, guys? I mean, is that a good overview of what we're doing? Yeah. I think... I say this is a class, and, and we're, we're four professors. Picture it like that. Jamie, what do you think? With all all four of our brains, can we can we produce one intelligent person who who knows what they're talking about? Maybe, maybe we'll give it a shot. Hi, this is Will Wilhelm. You're listening to the Skeleton Crew, the show that gives boneheads boners exclusively on Horrorphilia.com. All right, Mike, in honor of your return to the crew, I wanted to do something to commemorate this momentous occasion. Uh, You know, we talk all the time about bizarre coincidences on this show. Well, there's none bigger than the date of your first official show back in the dungeon since Halloween 2012. That was the last time you were here. So this is your first official show back. Here's the bizarre coincidence. Everyone knows you're downright obsessed with Halloween 6. Let's face it. They all heard show 36. They know it's up. So uh, what they don't know is the stars aligned for the crew one more time. How's that? Stars aligned. Tonight is February 2nd. And tonight is the 20-year anniversary of the death of Donald Pleasance. A.K.A. Dr. Loomis. 
No shit. That is correct, sir. That it is. So does this have anything to do with why you dressed up the dungeon like a gypsy wagon? Yes, it is, Jamie. We are going to do something very special tonight. We are going to perform a seance. We're going to contact Dr. Loomis himself. And Mike will finally have the chance to talk to the man that means more to Mike than life itself. I don't even know what to say. Is this even really possible? That's what we're going to find out tonight. So, uh, okay, everybody. All right, come on. Let's uh, hold hands with the person next to you. Grab those bony hands. Okay, now close your eyes. I can't see. The skeleton crew is looking for Dr. Loomis. Donald Pleasant. Right. Donald Pleasant. We request the company of Donald Pleasant. Donald, if you're there, give us some sign. Ow! Who tweaked my left nipple? That must have been the sign from Donald. Actually, that was me. Uh, I'm sorry. These things always make me so fucking horny. Ah, uh, Jesus. Guys, please. We're short on spooky background music. We have to get this thing going. <clears throat> Man, this is some scary shit. Summoning the dead. You don't know what you're dealing with when you start playing with black arts. I hope we're not going to regret doing this. I'm sure I will. Dr. Loomis? Thank you so much for... For coming to the dungeon for this seance. Oh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Fuck, this is a big deal for us. You ever done anything like this before? Uh, no, no, first time for us. This is the greatest moment of my life. What are you doing here? Oh, uh, we brought Mike back on the show. You know, we had that little tiff that lasted exactly two years, but we both got over it. Yeah, we just wanted to have you on the show because, uh, you know, it's your 20th anniversary since you've been dead. You know, you died February 2nd, and we all feel bad that you've been dead for so long. And, uh... Don't feel sorry for me. Oh, yeah? It's not that bad? Hmm. Well, you know, speaking of feeling sorry for you, segue, uh, was Halloween 5 the worst movie that you've ever been a part of? As a matter of fact, it was. I knew it! You know, Donald, I was your protege. I could have been Dr. Loomis in the zombie remakes. Could have. You want to be Donald, don't you, Mike? Yes, of course. I, I model my life after him. You gotta believe me, Donald. I'm your biggest fan. I want to believe you, but I gotta be sure. Haven't you seen his dedication? For Christ's sake, he bakes a cake on your birthday. Oh, I didn't recognize you. Yeah, that was me, buddy. Hey, why didn't you ever stop by and blow out your candles at least? Look at me. Take a good look. Yeah, Mike, he's floating over the table here. He's dead. Oh, yeah, well, I guess he couldn't show up then. Well, go ahead, Mike. Your, your idol's here, man. Tell him what you always wanted to tell him. I have so much respect for you, sir, that when I masturbate to Beth in Halloween 6, I stop when you come on screen out of respect for you. Yeah, look at that. Mike is actually willing to stop mid-stroke while you're on screen. Alrighty. Uh, so, what do you think of that, Loomis? Uh, Mike doesn't whack it while you're on screen. He was doing very well last night. 
Jesus Christ. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't think you could see that. One chance to talk to your hero, and you're already lying to him. Mike actually watched a VHS copy of Halloween 6 144 times in three months. I can't even believe that tape is even playable anymore. I was told there was nothing left. How come I couldn't get a straight answer as to when Halloween 6 was coming out from the Blockbuster employees? I called them once a week. Didn't they know how eager I was to find out the street date? The staff is unprepared. They know. Dr. Loomis, believe it or not, Mike wants to go on an H6 world tour and contact the people at Blockbuster and tell them what came of it all. Leave those people in peace. <laughs> Loomis, did you ever think an obnoxious asshole like this would even exist? How could he get to this point? Maybe someone around here gave him lessons. Hey. All my life, I had this feeling that you were watching over me, protecting me as a guardian angel. You have the wrong feeling. What? You must love me as much as I love you. Isn't that how this works? You believe that? Dr. Loomis, you have a man here who loves you more than anything in the world. This is not a man. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, well, guys, we got to lighten the mood here a little bit. Uh, anyone have any, like, fun topic of conversation? Oh, wait. Uh, hey, listen, do you think they'll ever make another piece of shit like Halloween colon resurrectum? I don't want anyone to have to live through that So, uh, Loomis, you seem like you didn't really want to be bothered by us. I mean, doesn't God determine if someone can be summoned? I mean, couldn't you have asked God or Jesus to put us on your block list? I told everybody! Donald, why would you want to block me? I've been professing my love for you publicly for four and a half years. God damn you. I'm planning a trip to France in the spring to visit the site where your ashes were scattered. I'm going to do my best to collect what I can and take them back with me. Get your ass away from there. Oh, boy. Oh, man. <laughs> well, that didn't go over very well for you, Mike. I think you're being a little hard on Mike. If it weren't for someone like him, people would forget all about the legacy you left behind. If you say so. Ugh, well, sorry, Mike. Seems like Loomis is in a bad mood tonight. Oh, buddy, don't even worry about it. I have another plan in mind, and this will all work out. I know it didn't go well in these last few minutes, but I think once he gets to know me better, he will warm up to me. And the only way to do that is to take this gun. Mike, Mike, Mike. What the fuck are you doing? Jesus. This is what I need to do. This is my density. I mean, destiny. Wrong movie. I need to be with you, Donald. We need to be one with each other. Well, if you're sure, I mean, it will be sad, but we'd still have three hosts after you're gone, so... Exactly. Donald, I'm on my way to be by your side for all eternity.
Alright guys, here we are, Horror 101. So let's start from the very beginning. The term horror comes into play with Horace Walpole's 1764 novel, The Castle of Otranto. Uh, full of supernatural shocks and mysterious melodrama. So in 1764, we started scaring ourselves. Well, I don't think it was scary. Well, maybe to some people back then it was scary. But if you were to look at it today, no, not scary. Yeah, yeah back then horror was like, and she went into the room and he was there and he wasn't supposed to be there till later and she, he scared her. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, my wow. dumbass would probably still jump. They were making dinner, and a plate broke on the floor, and everybody turned around. <coughs> Jesus Christ, that was scary. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I'm stupid. All right, so then we get into real horror. After the real plate horror, drops, I love that. <laughs> the plate drops, everybody's scared, the cat jumped out of the fucking window, and now we're in 1818. That's when Mary Shelley, who's a romantic at heart, wrote Frankenstein. Frankenstein romantic, huh? Well, maybe the bride of Frankenstein was... It was the same book, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was, actually, yeah. We belong dead, or whatever the hell he said, I don't know. Yeah. So this is is early shit. Back then, it's all about books. You know, Edison didn't invent... You know, nobody knew how to capture visuals in in that point. So we're just reading books now uh, and doing plays and shit. So 1818's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Then you got the Tales of Gro- the Grotesque and Arabesque. Wow. Tales of the Grotesque and Arabesque. Yeah, Edgar Allan You guys Pope. really did your homework. There's Wow. Wow. I just can't wait till we get to the parts where I could pronounce this stuff. <laughs> you know how those early books were, you know, full of um, those long words and, you know, you need a thesaurus. Yeah, it's very intelligent. Yeah. It was very intelligent writing, you know, those guys, Poe and on and on. Let's go to the intelligent person on the show. Jamie, did you read Edgar Allan Poe and, like, Robert Louis Stevenson and, like, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Yes, of course. You know, you know, you know, you've covered the gambit in horror. How do you feel those hold up to today's standards? Like, are they scary at all? The same themes still work today. I mean, as human beings, we pretty much, we haven't changed very much in the way that we react to things, the way that we feel things the same emotions still exist the same fears i mean they've just updated to reflect how we live today but when it all comes down to it we're still afraid of our own mortality and that part has never changed so i think they're still relatable as far as being scary like i said i think it's relative i mean they they could be scary depending on who you are depending on what frightens you personally but um i would say that they're definitely still relatable I, I have I can't confess to having read the Robert Louis Stevenson novella, but you know I, I read a lot of Poe. I'll tell you that that's he's the one author from back in the day that I, I can read his work and um, fully appreciate it. Yeah, well, the three the three big Gothic writers were Mary Shelley, Bram Stoker, obviously, and Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, you know Poe. They took tons of stuff. A lot of his, a lot of his stuff was turned into movies during Bela Lugosi's uh, era. With uh, uh, him and Karloff, were in a lot of Edgar Allan Poe adaptions. Um, Bram Stoker. So we start off. Uh, we don't have a, a year on this, I guess, but we start off with Bram Stoker. Like Draculas have been around for, I guess, probably for the same amount of time, right? I mean. Uh, Dracula and Frankenstein were written at the same during the same weekend. 
What? What? They had, really? They had, yeah, there was a competition. They were all at the same place. And uh, Bram Stoker, Mary Shelley, and um, Lord Byron. And there was a basically a competition or just a, you know, a among friends thing. You know, let's write a scary story to put it in the basest of terms. And out of that, we got Dracula and Frankenstein. Wow, I'm fucking, you know, I think I may have heard this years ago and I just forgot about it. I didn't pay attention because it was school, you know, I didn't pay attention. In if school. you watch the, uh, I think they, it's in The wow. Bride of Frankenstein in the very beginning when they, oh, yeah. uh, they talk about, like they do the whole thing with Mary Shelley and sitting down and writing the story and all of that. She mentioned that part? <sighs> yeah, I mean, well, it's the, all of them sitting around talking about about writing the stories. I always forward that, though. I don't like that intro. Really? You don't like that intro? <laughs> I love it. Yeah? I just like when they get back to the windmill. It makes uh, it the first the, the first true sequel. I just like it, it, it. For the time, I thought it was such a great way to start a movie. Mary Shelley, her husband, Lord Byron, and Bram Stoker were the major ones. And of that, from that, we got Frankenstein and Bram Stoker's Dracula. Amazing. Amazing. It really is. Well, it really is if you consider that two of two of the most influential works ever to to come into horror were created at the same time yeah. by people who were in the same place. It's, well, I thought Halloween was the most influential. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, not the original, but Halloween is the most oh, influential. Oh boy. We'll get there. Are, we're not going this part <laughs> six thing, are we? <laughs> Could you imagine, though, if one was Curse a piece of, of shit? <laughs> one was a really great book and one was a piece of shit. No one ever knew about it until years later. Oh, by the way, they had a contest. And obviously this one was the winner because this book about fucking, you know, Invaders from Mars sucked or something. You know? yeah, but, Jamie, who the hell won this thing? Well, I think it was, you know, honestly, I, I don't know. I think it was just a... More like a friendly challenge thing. I don't think they actually set aside a winner. There may have been other people there, to be honest. I'm not completely certain if those were the only people there. There could have been other people there, and maybe their stuff just didn't ever you know, amount to anything, so we just don't know about it. I, I think the guy who wrote House of the Dead was there, and they finally uh, <laughs> they finally came to fruition uh, in 2004. I, I want to no. know what they were just waiting for Uwe Boll to come along so that they could make that into a fantastic film. <laughs> and Clint Howard. You know, you got those great novels, and then you get to the silent era where they started videotaping. And, uh, well, not videotaping, you know. Filming. F- yeah, yeah, filming. Uh, so the silent era was interesting because you had, like, the, the German expressionistic, is that what it's called? Expressionist, expressionism, uh-huh. Yeah, something like that. Sure, sure. Uh, those are interesting. Like, you guys all saw the movie The Baba Duke. Yeah. Yeah. Now, remember when the mom was sitting there watching the television oh, and they kept yeah. showing all those clips? Like, that stuff, I love. I wish I could see that stuff. Like, where do you find that? I think that they were fake films. That they, were, they were just made to look like those old school movies. Yeah, but I want the old school ones. Mike, do you, you don't get down with the classics, right? Like, Oh, okay. Wait a minute. All right. Mike, Mike, okay. Mike. It's not Mike. fucked up. We're good. There we go. <laughs> Wait, I thought we were fucked up. We're not fucked up. We're good. Okay, well, we're, no, fucked, we're up. fucked up. But yeah. <laughs> so wait, what? What I miss? The silent era. Do you know anything about? Oh, of movies? course I do. Are you insane? See, Hold Michael on. J. Surprise you. Yes, but time. that's a completely different topic. 
Wait, where the, hold on. Yeah, we're not talking about where everybody ignores you. We're talking about these movies. Well, yeah, no, I well. <laughs> the silent treatment. The silent Yeah, no, 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 no. Well, Nosferatu, well, obviously, I do have the cabinet of Dr. whatever the fuck you said his name was. <laughs> and I had the DVD, but it was just released on Blu-ray, so I have to get the Blu-ray so I can watch it. <clears throat> so, Phantom of the Opera, now, obviously, the silent era. Yeah, that's, that's great. my favorite. Agreed. Obviously, the big star... I mean, this guy, nobody was competing. Like, when you had the 30s and 40s, you had Lugosi, Karloff, you had, like, a bunch of guys, uh, Vincent Price, like, all these horror guys, like, top-of-the-line guys. In in the time of the silent era, you only had one guy, and his name was Lon Chaney. And he was the man of a thousand faces. He did all his own makeup. Well, because he was willing to fuck himself up for a role. <laughs> I mean, which is which is astounding, you know. I mean, the amount of punishment that he put his body through in order to create a character. What do you mean by that? Well, like when he would wear for the Hunchback, that hump weighed something like forty pounds or something, and that was just a piece of the makeup. And then, so he, um, by the uh-huh. time he got older, he suffered quite a bit. Like he had a lot of aches and pains and all of this just from all the shit that he'd done to himself. Yeah, he would distort his face and. But who cares, though? He's a legend. No, it is. And, and, you know, he went through great pain for his art, and that I have a great deal of respect for. Yeah. And that's something else I'm wondering. Well, now I might be off on this, but like Nosferatu and, uh, you know, Phantom and whatever, like they were ugly. I mean, really ugly. Like, I don't think that like, um, I mean, like Jason and all that, they're ugly, but they're they're not like, yeah, but they're not like, um, Nosferatu ugly or Phantom ugly like you know yeah you went to a different era though because now you're bringing horror to your front door you know back here it was fantasy and it was like ghosts and goblins and monsters you know <laughs> that old game from Nintendo ah. ghosts and goblins <laughs> yeah it's fucking that though so <laughs> <laughs> that was the fucking that was the music it was like <laughs> Yes, he was. When, he, when he turned into bones. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, when, like, when Michael Myers, like, he's a pretty good-looking guy. I mean, except for that fucking eye. Yeah, that was and, fucked up. And that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's because they were just regular people. I mean, then they got, you know, creepy-looking guys like Leatherface. But back then, it was monsters. And that's the different thing. Like, Jamie's saying, it's like, and... Yeah, but was the Phantom a monster? He wrote, I thought he was, like, more well, of a deformed. real person. Yeah, but he wasn't always deformed, I don't think, was he? No, no. Jamie, was that the whole thing? What, what was the Phantom? Like, why did he have that mask on? Was there a fire in the opera house? That, That's uh, it. That's there was it. a fire in the opera house that uh, that damaged him. And then from that point on, he went into hiding in the sewers and underneath the opera. Oh, fuck, I don't remember. Yeah, you know, you're yeah. Don't ask me that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think That's it. Yeah. I think that's it. <laughs> I'll tell you. Nosferatu, I think, is is great. That that portrayal of Count Orlock, oh, yeah. the way that, that way that movie looks, the way that guy walks, the shadows, that the way it was filmed, that I think that's the best silent movie there is. I, I, just everything about it, that guy looks hideous. And I don't know how for that time period, how they did that with the makeup, man, it, it blows me away. That that's one movie I have a lot of respect for. And it's you know, it's the first time you saw Dracula, the, the tale of Dracula on the screen. Yeah, and it was interesting. He was a um, a goblin and not a handsome guy. 
Like, I wonder why right. they chose to do that. Because Frankenstein was a mo- gross-looking guy, and Drac- uh, Wolfman, he was good-looking when he wasn't a wolf. And the creature in Black Lagoon, and all these people are kind of freaky-looking. <laughs> and then you got a good-looking guy to be Dracula. That's kind of interesting. So I guess we'll just segue into this. So then you got... The 30s, you know, because that's a silent era. That lot of stuff was going on in the 20s and stuff, uh, the 10s and 20s. The 30s, Dracula was the first film on the planet that was a horror film to be filmed in uh, with audio. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So if that didn't happen, we wouldn't be able to hear, I've charted a ship to take us to England tomorrow evening. Seven minutes later. <laughs> Holy shit, you rehearsed that, actually. That sounded really good. Yeah, thanks. That is good. That is my favorite line because it's just like he does that all the time. It's one of my favorite impressions that he does. <laughs> it's like third time, right? <laughs> but yeah, and there and there isn't a whole lot of audio in the film. I mean, especially like compared to today, like with a Tarantino film. But <laughs> but um, it's just it's that film. I honestly prefer the Spanish version of Dracula. Yeah, um, it's more eventful. It, it is. And, I mean, if you watch Dracula, there's like, you know, three minutes of him walking upstairs. And it's just very... I mean, for it to be so iconic, if you go back and look at it, it's actually kind of boring. I mean, if you look at it now, for it to be so incredibly iconic, it actually is kind of boring. And, I mean, we talked about that when on the crew, when we did the Universal... When we went through the Universal movies, uh, Dracula is my least favorite because there's yeah. really not a whole lot going on. I hear you. Dracula, it just has really good imagery, I guess. But, uh, but I mean, think about it from that perspective. It was the first movie that was using sound dialogue at all. So they weren't, you know, they weren't too concerned with that. They were probably excited they were doing it, but that's why half of it there was no dialogue, you know. But I think you have to respect it for... Uh, oh, sure. You know, but I do hear you. In retrospect... Yes, to watch it now in comparison with the others, it is rather boring. Oh, yeah. It's insanely boring. And it's funny because Dracula, once again, just like they competed then, I guess they the two stories competed all these years later to see who's going to do the first movie. And I think it was Dracula, though, that did it first. But uh, Frankenstein is 1931 as well. And that was far different from, uh, from Dra- Frankenstein. Was, yeah, far different than Dracula because... There was way more dialogue. It was more eventful. The, the They didn't have much music, though, right, Jamie? Even still? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is interesting because in during the silent era, you know, there was music throughout the entire thing because it's all there was. But then when you got into the talkie era, at least in the very beginning, they didn't use a whole lot. No. They figured, why have music if we could hear the guys talk now? That's kind of a strange uh, thought process. Uh, then you got, you know, then they moved on. They progressed to great makeup in the 30s right away with, I, or maybe not, Jamie. When's, when's the creature in Black Lagoon? Was that 40s that was, already? That was 50s. 50s, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, Wolfman was 41, and that's when he started getting, well, the great makeup even with Frankenstein. But I'm talking about more complex things, like you see people's face change 
uh, on screen, shit like that. Oh, yeah, when they started doing the dissolves, like, for the Wolfman. That was pretty, to me, I mean, it's pretty obvious what's happening when you're watching it. But it's still kind of impressive if you think about when it was and what else was going on at the time. I still look at that and go, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, even though he's, like, perfectly still for some bizarre reason. Right. <laughs> and, you know, he's wearing different clothes when he transforms than when a couple minutes later he's... When he's out there. He's out there. You know, I mean, these are things that I guess people weren't... They didn't expect people to really notice because they were going to be so blown away by everything else that they were watching that they're not going to sit and pick these things out. Also, they didn't have, you know, the technology that we have now to be able to go back and watch them, pause them pay attention, you know, I don't know. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, they saw it in a movie house, and that was the end of it. You know, and and you, you can't predict the future. You'll never, you'll never uh, <coughs> grasp the idea that people can watch these movies at home because there were no fucking TVs. You think that um, Mary Shelley and Bram Stoker got paid, like, a lot for having these come to screen? Well, I will tell you that uh, Nosferatu got sued. That's why it's Nosferatu. Mm. That's why some of the, some of, if you pay attention, like if you watch that movie and you pay attention, it's the same story. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. Dracula, but there are slight changes to the names. They actually had him wearing a cape to begin with, and then they had they got sued, so they had to take that away. Um, so, as far as how much when it actually did come to screen, I don't know. But I know that there was some copyright. I mean, like, they had their fingers in the copyrights for sure. So, um, yeah, they had to. Because when Nosferatu tried to, tried to be made, they were like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> right? Somebody had to try it. The Victorian the equivalent time. of, uh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, I'll give them credit for trying. They read a book that said, hey, let's make a, one of those silent pictures out of that and let's make some money. Who was thinking about Orlock. it back then? Orlock. Right, that's what they called him. Right. Count Orlock. But someone had to try it eventually, otherwise, you know, it was going to happen. It's human nature. Mm-hmm. So, so far, I think we're all we're all intrigued about the origins of horror. I think we can all appreciate uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, and if you, if you don't, then look up um, the movies that Bela Gosi and Boris Karloff were in. And Vincent Price. Vincent yeah, Price I was going to say, there. yes. yes. One of those. And again with the Hammer films. Right, yes. yeah. So look those up. They're all good. I mean, I I have this Bela Lugosi collection, like the Raven, the uh, fucking. You know, that's all I remember. But <laughs> you know, there's a <laughs> that's some it's collection the money. <laughs> <laughs> the pit and the pendulum. Okay, yep. you know, things like that. I'm yeah. Telltale heart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we can appreciate that. We we think those are good. And then you get to the Atomic Age. <laughs> so you got them, the Deadly Mantis, Tarantula, the thing from another world, the day the Earth stood still. Yes. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Booty. <laughs> the Booty. They should make like a porno, Invasion of the there, Booty Snatchers. There has to be. If yeah, there has to be. I'll, I'll film it. Fuck. <laughs> Don't forget the blob. I I mean, I guess the blob would Beware be a part of that, of wouldn't blob. it? Yes. Of course. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> of course it is. These were all things that stemmed from one. We started messing around with mm-hmm. things at the time, I, like working on the H bomb and things like that. So it's they stemmed from our fear of science, 
basically. And couple that with space exploration and attempts to start delving into places that were heretofore unknown. And what are you going to bring back with you? So that's where we get all of our giant bugs. Either they're either and all of those monsters, either they came from space, you know, and how many it came from space movies were there? Um, <laughs> or the blah, blah from outer, from outer space or, you know, the, 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 the what's it from Mars? Um, and then, so it either came from space or it came as a, as a result of, a uh, result of experimentation, you know, like Godzilla. What is, what is the origin of Godzilla. Where the fuck did he come from? He was born of of radiation because of radiation. But what he was, was actually he before a, that? He was supposed to be a dinosaur <laughs> that had been that was buried underneath, and then because of radiation, he was brought. What? He was you know yeah. brought back to life and angry about it. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's he like the same thing. With, oh wait, no, just like Jason, just like they brought Jason back. They can move from that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, what's the general consensus here? I am not a, a fan of these things. I'm not saying they're not good. I just never had a, a, a real desire to uh, indulge. I don't, what do you guys think? I love these movies. They're particularly things like them, which is a really fun one. I think. Um, it's the Atlantis right? is yeah. Peter Graves with the giant grasshoppers, which is awesome. And really, I think these are all fantastic. You know, like Tarantula, which is basically a tarantula, but a big giant tarantula. I mean, fans of Mystery Science Theater have seen these movies. Um, if you haven't, they're not hard to find. And you can find either the regular versions or a lot of them that were done by Mystery Science Theater, which makes them even that much more fun. But they're a good time. You know, I've never thought they were scary. You know, I, what's funny to me is how everything got giant. You know, it's <laughs> like, oh, giant. You know, it's bad because they're big. You know, uh, straight on into Dave, like no jokes. It's a- <laughs> we're, we're not going. We're not going there. <laughs> Even as far forward as like Night of the Lepus with you know giant <laughs> rabbits. You know, Lepus. anything can be frightening if you make it huge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's, that's the greatest. Said. Alrighty then. <laughs> Now, Mike, you're a victim of radiation. Uh, exactly. Yeah. But what happened I'm to you? Re- I'm reverse radiation. <laughs> <laughs> you got shrunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shrinkage. His microphallus. Yep. <laughs> okay, so that was the 50s. Now, we're going to William Castle gimmick movies like... House on Haunted Hill, The Tingler. Yeah. That was cool shit. The, the, the ideas tingler. that he did, I think that was really cool. You know, with, with The Tingler and they were shocking people in the audience and he did something with like, didn't he take out like a, he said everybody that comes to see um, House on Haunted Hill had like a thousand dollar insurance policy as part of their ticket or something in case they die of fright or some shit. Yeah, well, you mm-hmm. would have to. He would have nurses in the lobby and an ambulance <laughs> parked outside, and you'd have to, you know, he would provide you with a death certificate or, you know, I mean, just <laughs> all kinds of cool shit that really was more fun than the movie was scary, you know. But that was the that was the fun part. Although, you know, honestly, I think The Tingler is a really good movie, and I think that it's actually kind of scary, and it's kind of cool because if I don't know how familiar you guys are with The Tingler. If no, I haven't seen it. it but Haunted Hill many times. The, I, the idea 
is that the tingler is the fear that starts to build inside you. And if you don't scream, it will kill you because you have to be able to release it by screaming. So in order to kill someone, you could just cover their mouth and keep them from screaming and the tingler would sort of uh, devour them from the inside. So it's like blue balls. If you don't release, it'll yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's I wasn't really going to say concepts. You know, the reason. I mean, what they're saying is the reason that we scream when we're scared is because we have to let it out, and if we don't let it out, it will kill us. I think that's really awesome. That's so, cool. yeah. and then while you're watching the movie, and they had the little electrodes set up while you're watching the movie, which I love. I would have loved to have been oh, there the first no time. Wow. You can feel it sort of crawling up your spine. You know, I mean, just imagine that. Imagine, like, they're telling you that what you're feeling is fear, and it will kill you if you don't scream. Uh, and then you feel it. I mean, that's uh, just insane. Uh, I, it's just, just thinking about it is making my ass tingle. And I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's such really amazing, innovative stuff. And I wish we did stuff like that now. Yeah, it's really innovative radio, Mike. Oh, you mean uh, really if, if, it, if it caused diarrhea, do you think that, you know, they could give me an insurance policy with that? No, they would you it depends when you walked in the door. <laughs> that should be something in case you shit your pants. It's so scary. Well, uh, I just, you know, the movie Zombie, um, they gave out, uh, you know, the Lucio Fulci zombie, right. they gave out bark bags. When oh, yeah, that's right. Uh. I knew it was some movie, Jamie. I just didn't know which one it was. I Remember love shit like that. I do. Oh, it's 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 so cool. Plus, it's something you can sell on eBay for a bunch of money later. Fuck right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah right. especially if there's vomit inside it. <laughs> <laughs> this is genuine vomit from that day. Yeah. Hey, Michael J. Vomit, I wonder what that would sell for on eBay. Let's try it. You know, coincidentally enough, because we mentioned this movie earlier, they also sell barf bags to House of the Dead. I think that was just, though, because it was so fucking bad. Yeah, like, that was a different reason. It'll make you puke. Oh, okay. I was confused. <laughs> That's a great segue into Hammer Horror Return to Gothic. Now, this is a big thing because in life, you normally progress. So it's interesting to me that we just started making movies in the 30s, and we already went back to pump that well, which is strange because you normally, like, look at the, not that I'm trying to kill where we're going with this, but... You know, these new horror movies, they're obviously, they're doing things with the internet and phones and stuff to, because that's what we relate to and that, that's what we understand. That's our world. And that's, you know, so it's interesting that you would think that you would continue in that fashion uh, in any in any form of, of entertainment and something like this, especially with something to scare you. So why go backwards? Why did Hammer from 1957 to 1974 crank out seven Frankensteins, six Draculas, nine other vampire movies, two Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde's, and three mummies when we already did that? Uh, Originality was dead. Already? How is it that hard in 20 years to come up with new stuff? You only have 20 years to compete with. Because Hollywood is stupid? Well, except these are Hammer films, so this was... uh... These were British. So I don't know. I mean, maybe they were trying to do their version, do their take, you know, do. And as it turns out, there are a lot of them are really good movies. So, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Christopher Lee was born from that. So, I mean, Peter Cushing. 
and thank you. Um, we got a lot of Ingrid Pitt. You know, we got a lot of iconic horror movie people from those Hammer films and a lot of iconic horror movies in general. So, like, even though I don't think it was really a we're going to just let's redo it kind of thing. I just think it was a let's try doing it our way. And there are, there are you know, differences. Did it scare people? It couldn't have, though, right? Some of them, I think, could have. Frankenstein, Dragon, the Wolfman already were, were so were so not scary to audiences that they ended up with Abbott and Costello to to just do a spoof because it no longer frightened people. So now where do we go with it? Let's just entertain one big hurrah end of the thing, and that's nice. Yeah, well, now we're going to bring it back, and and we're going to try to bring the scary back again, which I think they did. Yeah, people were I scared. Think that, you know, when I was a kid and I was watching Hammer films, I don't think they scared me now. I mean, they don't really scare me now. But when I was a kid and I was watching those Hammer horror films, I mean, Christopher Lee would keep me up at night. I was aware of the Christopher Lee Dracula before the Lugosi Dracula. Wow. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know. That used to creep me out. Even Jack Palance as Dracula used to creep me out. (sighs) I (laughs) would suck your blood. Jack Palance sounds like a retard there. What the fuck? (laughs) And I like Jack Palance because he was in Alone in the Dark. Great horror film. But, well, that's... So he didn't really sound like that. not. Well, then wait a minute. Right. If he didn't really sound like that, then what did he sound like? Or not. Believe it. Or not. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, looks like Which, honestly, he used to creep me out when he did that, too. That that show uh, used yes. to scare me when I was a kid, and it was completely because of him. Believe. <laughs> yes. Believe it. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Him and the other guy from, um, what's that other show? Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, Robert yeah. Stack. Robert, his delivery. Yes, his shit was scary to me. Yeah. Now, Dave, can you mention uh, a couple movies from the 60s that you want to highlight here? Well, my, you know, I'll tell you something. I didn't, even though I grew up the same time as Jamie, I never got into the Hammer stuff. I already knew about the old school Dracula in the old school. And for whatever reason, something about the way these movies looked just never appealed to me. Maybe, you know, I was young. But you had an aversion to tits popping out of tops? Yeah, dude, there were a lot of hits in this. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't realize. I hear you. I know. Now the days of the deep cleavage. Right? Mm-hmm. God bless Ingrid Pitt. Right. Now I know this. Right. At the time, <laughs> they were very talky to me and boring. I just didn't. I just I, I wasn't into it. I didn't know, something about the film quality also looked different. I like that, though. I like the film quality. Now I do. But as a child, I just it didn't do anything for me. I you love know? the colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the colors were so vibrant and except the blood. Just, like. Well, see, I love the blood too. That's I know. The, the blood's that's, okay. Yeah. That's the that's the blood that I love. Yeah, you both like great that. and high depth. And I'll like the uh, like yeah. the Italian blood. Oh, I love oh, it. I hate that. I wish I could go and fix it all. I wish I could digitally <laughs> no, fix all. Well, of no, it's the perfect. Yeah, you would totally do that, Alex. Yeah, yeah. I, just like I edit my whole life. Mm-hmm. It looks so much better than that crappy purple blood that people are using now. Like right. toe tag films uses it all. Oh, Ooh, Jerry! I'll never watch him. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what a toe tag film is. So, uh, like murder set pieces. Uh. Um. I um, but anyway, yeah. The the colors were so vibrant and alive, and the blood it just kind of jumps out at you. Um, 
don't know. That's good stuff. Um, Mike said it looks good in high dev too, so we gotta check out the Blu-rays, which there are like none. Because I'm no, a big. Uh, what are you talking about? There are like none. Well, I'm a big Frankenstein guy for Hammer, and I can't find shit on Blu-ray. Well, maybe not. Um, maybe not Frankenstein, but there actually there is one with um, Boris Karloff that I forget the Die Monster Die. I think. Oh it's yeah, called. yeah, that just came to Blu-ray. Yeah, I think uh, Scream Factory put that out or something. I'll tell you, when I think about the 60s, though, I, I automatically, even though he'd been working for a while, for since the 30s even, I think. Vincent Price. No, no, Alfred Hitchcock. Ah, oh, yes. Oh, well, because of Psycho, I guess. That's when he yeah. hit the horror radar. Psycho and then the bird. That's just oh, what I... birds, yes. Peeping Tom, even. You know, movies like that. It, it was much different than what we were seeing. Like you asked earlier about why did they do those things they did with Hammer. And they they couldn't do the Atomic Age any, any anymore. It, it was just played out. That it, it just, Times were changing. So why uh, all of a sudden everything was coming from... from it, it was British directors. Peeping Tom, he was a British director. Yeah. And, and obvi- obviously Hitchcock and these Hammer movies. It's like the United States just dried up. <laughs> in the 60s and, and all these guys came in and then Bava came in uh, towards the end of the 60s oh Bava right Bava <laughs> and the 60s just changed everything like I, I don't know what happened uh, to the United States and what they cranked out in the 60s but I guess at the end of it you have that crazy shit you know Blood Feast and those Herschel Gordon Lewis movies and whatnot. but when I think of the 60s I just I never resonated with the Hammer films and nowadays I'd like to watch them but at the time, I just had no interest. You would like him. Um, Probably right. Guys, not to be anal, but it's actually pronounced Psycho. <laughs> Psycho, yeah. Like Pateri from... Uh, I watched the very first episode of... Because Pee-wee's Playhouse is on Netflix now. Yeah. The other day, I was watching football and halftime came on. So my brother and I said, let's watch Pee-wee's Playhouse, the first episode. So we did, just to kill some time. And then, um, you know, remember that one guy, the bully-looking kid? I forget his yeah, name. Yeah, uh, Randy. Randy, he says something. Hey, Pee-wee. Okay, you know, you know, Terry. You know, Terry the pterodactyl. Terry or, or Randy picked on him. He goes, "How you doing, Pateri?" And then, of course, Pee-wee says, "You know, you know that the, the P is silent." You know. I used to have a sign on my my pool in the backyard. It said, uh, "Welcome to our ool." Notice there's no P in it. Please keep it that way. <laughs> As did I. Yes, it's a classic from the '80s. All right, well, not to gloss uh, over. So, you know, we did mention, you know, after Hammer, Psycho. Psycho uh, brought – so for the first time, we got the antagonist at our front door. And it was in the shape of Norman Bates. Now you can go to a hotel and you might not go home. You don't have to worry about giant spiders. You don't have to worry about Draculars. You don't have to worry about <laughs> flying, van, you know, uh, fucking monsters or anything. Now it's realistic. Now it's right at your front door. In the, you get to the Grindhouse drive-in movies, and it's all schlock, trash, nasty, uh, you know, like, exploitation shit, like Last House on the Left, I Spit mm-hmm. on Your Grave. I Spit on Your Grave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Revenge shit, you know. Uh, then you get to, like, sort of, like, mock horror movies, like, you know, She-Wolf and fucking Pussycat Kill Kill. 
and it's like it's it's now it's no longer about what's scaring you it's what's what's going on what's the hip thing and that's what pretty much transpired in this era it was a different time i mean think about it what a, what a jump uh, what a difference from what we've seen it's just i don't know how all of a sudden that happened i want to say it started with those those Herschel gordon lewis movies you know I mean, it really started with with psycho and peeping tom honestly mm-hmm. like you said it wasn't it's not in castles anymore and it's not here and it's not the atomic age giant you know whatever's and aliens and shit like that it became horror like like just like you said at your front door and then that just which was amazing and one thing led to another then they started doing cannibals and and gore dismemberment shit like that yeah like cannibal holocaust yeah with the grindhouse films it was yeah. um it was shocking stuff like cannibal holocaust or um yeah. or you mentioned earlier i spit on your grave you know and it was just and revenge you mentioned that too but was a huge theme that was involved and then around the time we had the independent filmmakers start yeah, they came bursting out of the seams and that's who and they were making some of the grittier stuff stuff that you'd never see come out of hollywood that ended up in the grindhouse films that ended up in that would only play at the drive-ins because respectable movie houses wouldn't play them oh drive-in was like a lower class thing well, I mean, you would have mainstream movies play at the drive-in, but there were certain movies that only played at the drive-ins and at ground and at grindhouses because, you know, your local family movie house isn't going to play stuff like that. Right. The drive-ins for for kids. It was it was teens. You know, go. It's a party atmosphere, and where I think the movie still had that highbrow type thing back from the early days when it was a, an event to go to, to see a movie at the theater. So a little more family friendly where the drive-ins, you know, different crowd. Right. Yeah. Well, from drive-ins, you know, uh, that was a period in time that reflected what was going on. And then now let's let Dave have the floor because this is his expertise. It is the Italian giallos. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, everyone knows I'm a big Argento guy. Yeah. Um, I do like the Giallos. And they started even before that, like like we said earlier, with Bava. Bava was in the 60s at some point. I mean, he's, you know, he's the godfather of it. And he started it and, are, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, if you if you enjoy Friday too, then go have a look at Bay of Blood because right. that's pretty much – Friday too. I mean, it's just the well, kills, and not, not from beginning to end, but there are no. there are oh, there's a lot of ripoffs from <laughs> also. Yeah. Well, you know what? Seriously, Friday too also owes quite a bit to the Prowler. So you watch the Prowler, mm-hmm. and then you watch Bay of Blood, and then watch Friday too, and and then you'll think, what the hell? <laughs> well, I don't want to feel that way. Oh, well, no, I mean, the Prowler. it's still a good movie, and I still love it, but um, it's just you know, not all that really crazy original right but they didn't do it well what are you saying about the prowler mike you don't think it coincides with friday uh why well, i mean in friday too you didn't have people like their eyes didn't turn white or whatever well no but in both friday too and the prowler you had the girl hide under a bed while a guy was looking for her with a pitchfork and then a rat comes up to her under the bed what 
So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I forgot about that, but yeah, I guess. (laughs) What? That's kind of big. (laughs) Yes, it is. Does the rat piss? No. And the goal isn't piss. That was something that was original to Friday. (laughs) Wait. So, wait, in Friday 2, the (laughs) rat piss. Oh, God. <laughs> I, thought, I thought Jenny pissed. Dude, we spent a half hour on this. Maybe the last episode ever will we'll have Steve Miner on or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, you know, the history of Jalo, the whole thing started because of the books. And um, they used to write these thriller-type derivatives and, um, in Italy. And they, were, they would come in these yellow books. And Jalo is Italian for yellow. One thing led to another, and that became a genre upon its own. But that was just for novelizations. When they started making the movies, they started coming out all over the place. You know, um, The Girl Who Knew Too Much and Blood and Black Lace, they started it. And then, you know, we had Bava, and then Fulci and Argeno, they just went nuts. You know? Deep Red uh, oh, is, one of, is my favorite Argento film. Yeah, it's good. It's a lot of people's. It's great. I love it. Yes, it's very good. Yeah. But there were things that you had that were that went along with being a jello, like the, the, the classic telltale signs. And I'm not saying it's like hard, hardcore. If you don't meet these criteria, you know, because they're not all the same, but you would frequently see, you know, um, an, a faceless killer with black gloves. Yeah. Uh, was a common thing. Uh, the bird with the crystal plumage. The bird plumage. with the crystal plumage, exactly. Yep. That was the first real, in my opinion, that was the first real, th- they got it completely right in with our general, in the bird with the crystal. Yeah, it, it, it became what, what you know, future Jalos, in my opinion, uh, are what, what they're all based, like, does the outline of it? Yeah, but yes, exactly. That's like, yeah, that's the, that's what it. Just want to make a side note, uh, interesting kind of thing. Uh, I don't. This this had to have just started in Italy or something, or in, in this time period also. But the way the Italians shot these movies, they did this really weird thing where they wouldn't use any of the sound that they shot, and everything was overdubbed. Footsteps on the floor, right? Ev- all the talking was <laughs> overdubbed. It was just like very strange to me. I don't know why you'd waste your time doing that when you could just like why it's not like we didn't do it before i don't even understand the the thought process there <laughs> it's because of the director's style the directors like to yell on the set that's that's how they film movies in italy they're always fucking yelling commands and doing this and that why i don't know i mean as italians yeah we're known to be loud people but whatever <laughs> that's just they so they so the uh, the italian directors could yell shit on the set all day long and direct everybody on what to do and not give a shit. And they say, okay, we'll, we'll fix it in post. We'll not fix it in post. We'll, we're doing it. it. Isn't it like a sh- like a, 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 it's enormous waste of money to pay people to redo all that? Just just because just you couldn't say, okay, listen, when you turn this corner, look over here, then look down, then kiss her, then walk. Like, why couldn't you do that? Isn't it an actor's job to sort of worry about that stuff? It was the art form, I guess. That I, I think they just... It started one way and they just stuck with it. And I, I, I personally like it. It's something that I like about watching these Jalo movies. It's, no, it has a thing to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It has its own style and, and I like it. Uh, as far as monetarily, financially, well, you know, who knows? Maybe it didn't cost any difference. No, it had to. It's just more time spent. More, it's more. More time, it, yeah. Yeah, sure. But they're but, artists. I mean, they consider themselves artists, the directors, and they, they had their ideas. And it's, I guess, uh, that's part of its charm. And let me say something about Bay of Blood. 
Um, Bay of Blood, it has great kills. It's all in like the first like half hour, 40 minutes, out of control. And then it goes into the mystery of it. And when I first saw the movie, I wasn't into Jalos at the time. I was just looking for the gore because I heard of, of, of what Friday 2 borrowed. And, you know, it, there's a lot of notoriety with it. But they did it and the Prowler did what they did. But Friday 2 perfected it. That that's that's what I have to say about it. It was just they did steal some of the kills, but in my opinion, Friday Two was a much better movie than than Bay of Blood and The Prowler. You really like Bay of Blood, Jamie? I prefer Bay of Blood, but I am a huge Bava fan. I like I Bava too. I am nuts about Bava. He's my favorite Italian director. I and I. Don't you think it drags a little bit in the second half? Like they they, they did everything in the beginning, and then they have a mystery. And I, I appreciate the mystery, but usually the Jallos, they're paced where there's mystery and then a kill. And then, you know what I mean? There's a story and then a kill. Nobody gets killed for, like, the longest time in that movie. It's just different. Odd. Well, it's that's true. There are points where it just kind of uh, is a little duddy, I guess. But – and I, I think I just made up that word. Um. Duddy. Nice. <laughs> duddy. <laughs> Funny duddy. <laughs> what, Jamie, what about the coincidentalcy of it all? <laughs> coincidentalcy, sir. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We just make up words here. Yep. We're going to have We're our own learning language. Learning a new language. Right. The skeleton crew. It's going to be a, a language one day, like Ebonics. Uh, go to our psycho retro. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's a great entire... Uh, section of horror and i would personally like to get into the jowls more so dave please help me out with that oh i'd be glad to and they influenced the slashers so how could you not love them yeah well then we move on in the 70s we're still there we got satanic it started to be i don't know what was going on in the 70s satanic. that Anic. Yeah, what was going on in the seventies, Jamie? Not implying that you remember, but <laughs> but because uh, I know you're fifty-seven years old. <laughs> but uh, were any of your eighteen cats alive when? <laughs> but no, seriously, like what was going on in the seventies where it became all about religion and satanic and Rosemary's Baby, Exorcist, Omen, Devil's Reign, Sentinel, Beyond the Door? Like, what the fuck was going on that that religion was so scary to people? Did something happen at that time that Rosemary's Baby happened? That's what well, happened. The movie came out; it was very successful, and that was it. Like anything else, now something gets hot and people run with it. Then the Exorcist came out in seventy three, and we're off and running. Well, there just, was a resurgence in the occult overall yeah. at that time, you know, um, like starting in the 60s and then going into the 70s. There was this big interest in the occult as a whole, like people were delving into all sorts of different aspects of it, whether it was like the psychic stuff or or the religious stuff. I mean, you know, I mean, just think of all the like primal screamers and and d- different religious sex were popping up here and there and i think a lot of that Hmm. sprang from the uh like the flower children and the communes and i mean it's just every there was a huge unrest everywhere and as far as people's belief systems were going people were bucking against what we had come to see or we as a society had come to see as the norm and 
you know, the post-war era where everything was calm and white bread. And so <laughs> everything was in upheaval after that and people were going in all different directions. And, there, and so there was a resurgence and interest of all sorts of occultish type things. I think it was just an amalgamation of, of everything sort of came to a head, you know. Don't uh. forget the, the day the the day the um you know the the summer of love died with with Charles Manson and his family everything that right. happened there what an influence that was right and what about jim jones when was that that oh, was fuck. <laughs> well just watch the sacrament yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> hey how come that didn't make anybody's top 10 list it made tons i haven't you been reading any online it, it did oh, make i'm so fucking it. sick of hearing it about it it did not make mine but no it i made, know not yours and it made a lot of them <laughs> yeah, I could. I can't believe it, Jamie. I can't believe it. But whatever. Mike, are you into the satanic stuff? Like, are you into the exorcist and Rose? Wait, aren't you the guy who said exorcist is not scary? That's no, pretty- I don't. I don't think that I would say that. I mean, look, I think that it was scary for its time. Um, today, I don't think it's as scary. Or when I saw it for the first time, I didn't think it was scary. Right, it's you. Because I remember in two thousand when it was like re-released in theaters. I I was uh, I was just like wow this is amazing this is really scary and it's great. Well, Alex, here's here's um, because you got into horror I think a little later than I did. See, I was watching Nightmare on Elm Street at five. Yeah. Okay. So for you, yeah. So I, you know what I mean. So I was like exposed to everything. So Terror at a very I, early age. Yeah. So by the time yeah, porn at three and and horror by <laughs> five. I've been exposed to everything, so of course I'm not going to find that scary. I mean, it's a great movie. It's a classic, but it's not scary. When I was a kid, I didn't think it was scary at all. I loved it, though. I was fascinated with what was coming out of this little girl's mouth, and I was excited to watch the movie. I was like, oh, my God, this is great. Now I find it scary. Years I later. Exactly the same way, Dave. Exactly. When something? I was a kid, it didn't scare me at all. I used to watch it all the time. That was one of the movies that we had on Laserdisc. And I used to watch it, like, on Disco Vision. And I used to watch it uh. every second. And then um, – it, but it didn't scare me. But as I got older, uh, I guess I was able to comprehend <laughs> more what was happening. Now I think it's scary. Yeah, it is. And it scares me because I have a daughter. And I think about it from the parent perspective. And I watch the portrayal of the mother and I'm thinking, holy fuck. I couldn't imagine going through something like this. Right. Well, I see how it wouldn't be scary, particularly to someone who – I don't know, someone who's not religious. Like, I can see why you would just see it as any other thing. I'm not religious. You know, hmm. you know I'm not either. And <laughs> it's, you know, so that's maybe that's a weak theory. I don't know. But most of the people I know who are Catholics are terrified. By yeah, well, I, I was I raised want, Catholic. Yeah. That's the thing. So was I. Yeah, I'm Jewish and I just I don't think this is scary at all. <laughs> yeah. You don't even know what you are. Dude. No, I That's just forgot. Nuts. We did we did open presents this Christmas. I totally forgot about that. Uh, yeah, but you could have opened Hanukkah presents uh, yeah. for yes, eight seven. nights. Yeah, more presents. Wait, whatever right. it is. Okay. Yeah. So we move from the satanic stuff to the birth of the independent type thing. You know, horror has been a staple in low-budget Hollywood uh, since Universal Creature Days. And as film production technology progressed, costs steadily declined. The rise of the independent filmmakers uh, meant a rise of new takes on horror. 
you know, Toby Hooper's Texture Chainsaw Massacre 1974 was based on the plot of a serial killer, Ed Jean, or Gein, who uh, was also the inspiration for Psycho, everybody knows that, and Silence of the Lambs. So you got three, uh, you know, when it, hit, when it comes to hit or misses, three hits just from Ed Gein. Isn't that something? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Texas Chainsaw was on a skeleton budget, sweltering Texas. You know, you heard that in a retrospective. I think the room was 104 degrees. The meat was rotting on the table. Shit was crazy, man. Uh, They had money issues. Uh, You know, cast and crew didn't see much of a financial reward at all. But, you know, like the rawness of the teenagers in peril just inspired way more teen horror slashers than anybody could have ever imagined. It was just imitation after imitation. And the the big, the granddaddy, the one that really, you know, Texas Chainsaw, as successful and good as it was, for some reason, it, the four years later, uh, Halloween, and even, you know, bypassing Black Christmas, for some reason, Halloween is the one that just struck a chord with everybody. It was the most successful independent horror movie ever made at a time. It uh, everybody knows it was three hundred twenty-five thousand, and it's grossed uh, by two thousand twelve like two hundred and forty million dollars. You know, it's uh, it's like a Hitchcock-inspired type thing. Uh, you know, John Carpenter was a big fan of Hitchcock, and unlike many of its uh, you know imitators, Halloween actually has almost no violence at all or blood. Uh, you know, there's no money to spend on sets and props, and you know Carpenter just constructed horror inside of the everyday suburbia. Like it now, it's in your neighborhood, it's in your life, and I guess that's why it was so relatable. And that music was just so perfect, and the Myers mask was just so blank that we could project any image uh, that whatever we saw on the mask is is what was in our heads. It had nothing to do with what was actually on the mask. That was the beauty of it. Like, what do you guys think? Does that that Halloween is is probably one of the more significant horror movies ever, and not just because it's everyone's favorite or they think it's perfect. It's the significance of it is is what really weighs heavy here. Night of the Living Dead and and Texas Chainsaw and, and Halloween are are huge as far as you know inspirations, but what Halloween spawned was just something different because it it pretty much birthed. The whole slasher thing is, is we got to know it in the 80s and how, then all of, you know, the slashers went crazy. I think Friday the 13th took it in a different level when, when it got well, there. That's what I was going to say. I, I right? think it, it inadvertently birthed the slashers because right. what happened really was after Halloween hit and it was so successful. Then you have Friday the 13th come along in 1980 attempting to make some of that Halloween money. But then what they did was completely different. I mean, because in that we got tits, we got gore, you know, we got, um, they just sort of took everything and, and multiplied it. And then from there, that's, I mean, we wouldn't have the Halloween sequels that are so slashery that we have if, if it hadn't been for the influence of Friday the 13th. So it's like Halloween came from that came Friday the 13th, but then that just blew up. And I really think that Friday the 13th, personally, I think Friday the 13th is the more influential as far as slashers go. Yeah. Well, Mike, Mike, you have a stalker. And your stalker called me an idiot because I, with Jamie, I I don't know how Jamie got off the hook, Yes. but we both said that Halloween 2 is 
here primarily because of Friday the 13th. Now, and before it I, absolutely is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does everybody else agree? Yes, I do. Okay. I would say so, yeah. Okay, so this know. guy said I'm a moron. Wait, Mike, your stalker is a guy? Yes, sir. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, that's another show, but okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> okay. UA, UA, UA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what the fuck? He said I'm an idiot because he said, uh, dummy, the reason Halloween 2 was made is because of the success of Halloween 1. When you make a movie for 300000 and it grosses millions upon millions upon millions, like, so quickly and grew so big, they were cashing in. They want to cash in on the, the sequel of that. And nothing, if Friday never came along, they still would have done it because they already not had like, something. Not the way they did. They wouldn't have done it the way they did. Halloween hit in 1978. Friday the 13th hit in 1980. Halloween 2, what year was that? 81. 81, right. Yeah. So it never would have happened the way it happened if Friday the 13th hadn't been as successful as it was. If Friday the 13th never existed and they made a Halloween 2, it would have been another Halloween 1. It would have been just like the original with very little gore, very little – I mean no boobs. It would have been the same thing because it would have was made by the same people. But because Friday the 13th was as successful as it was, Halloween 2 took their cue from that and made it basically what I think Halloween 2 is way sl- more slashery than the original Halloween, which is why I prefer watching it. Right. You cannot say that it wasn't influenced by Friday the 13th. Anyone who says that it wasn't, they are the moron. Well, they said it wasn't made because of it. They may have made a Halloween 2. That, uh, that's neither here nor there. It would have been nothing like it is now without right. Friday the 13th. Yeah, I guess so we shouldn't credit Halloween 2, the, the fact that it was made at all because of Friday the 13th. It probably would have been made anyway. But of course it was sure. Be. I mean, yes. but that's not the issue. The issue is that is the movie that it is. Actually, I think that it still would have been a good movie because look, they could have done whatever they wanted as long as Donald was in it. That would have been a perfect A <laughs> one movie. It would have been Jamie Lee Curtis. I don't think it would have been a bad movie, regardless. I don't. I'm not saying it's either good or bad. That's not really the point. I'm just saying that it's that it wouldn't have had the elements of this of the slasher that it has if it hadn't been for. Friday the 13th. So, Okay, how about this? Let's say that Friday the 13th put the fire under the ass of the Halloween guys and said, okay, let's get this movie made. How about that? You know, because you waited two years. You know, Halloween was a huge success in 78, so two years went by and you did nothing. Yeah, and if you look at the slasher releases between 78 and, and this is another interesting thing, you look at the release, the number of releases between 78 when Halloween hit and 80 when Friday the 13th hit, there's virtually nothing. You look at everything after Friday the 13th, it fucking blew up. Mm-hmm. Hey, the 80s were huge. There were nothing but slashers from like 80 to 84. Every fucking weekend, there was a slasher <laughs> opening in the theater. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. because of Friday the 13th. Oh, Jamie drops the mic. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is not me speaking as a Friday the 13th apologist, which I absolutely am. It is not, <laughs> and I fully, I fully admit that. But it's not me speaking as that. I'm just speaking facts. I'm just rolling out the numbers. There is – you cannot dispute that. You should apologize for not putting it on your top ten list, putting Friday 3. 
<laughs> Friday 3 is brilliant. What are you talking about? Oh, boy. I love Friday 3. She went on for two years about how part one is her favorite movie of the whole series. And then we do a top 10. She puts part three. Part one's not even top 10. It's not. <laughs> 3 is brilliant. What are you... Th- oh, get out. Uh, I need to be on the show. You people, I swear. We're going to do another Friday retro? Are you serious? I think we need to. More? I, we need to. <laughs> he was on the first one. <laughs> I know. Right? Yeah, I'll bring it back. Let's do it. <laughs> Yo, 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 yo. We should do another part three because uh, I do regret my review of part three. Let's do it because you didn't give it enough credit. So good. Let's do it. I was trying to uh, push my agenda a little too hard. Speaking of agendas, we're on independent movies. (laughs) 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 Well, then, like I said, you know, Friday came along in 1980 and then A Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984. Those were both studio-backed slasher films that followed the similar horror in the backyard formula that you were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. to tremendous success and numerous, numerous sequels. In 1981... Uh, a group of young kids like Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi, Robert Tabor released a small independent film, which everyone knows, that cost $150,000 that they raised from local investors. And that film, of course, was The Evil Dead. It was heavy on splatter effects and stop-motion gore, and it gained a cult following, especially after being released in the relatively new home videotape market in 1983. In fact, it was the promise of distribution through this new technology videotape and cable that unleashed a flood of blood-soaked horror films that were never made for the theater. Right. Golden and age. <laughs> people were more people were more willing to like buy or rent those than they are to do that today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a shame because 2014 had a slew of great independent horror and I hope people awesome. listen to Banana Laser and listen to our top 10 and give those movies a shot cuz they're definitely a fun time. We said an independent Night of Living Dead, Texas Chainsaw, Halloween, Friday Evil Dead. That was a great period and that really I think that period of time is why we have the conventions these days. It's why we have these big horror websites. You know, it's almost like everyone is – that struck everybody so deeply that we're all sort of waiting to relive that moment. We're we're more anticipating sequels to these movies from 30 years ago than we are to just hearing about a brand new movie that has nothing to do with nothing. So that was a great period, but <clears throat> so now you know we're gonna go back five years actually and talk about Jaws. Okay, wait before you get there, you, you okay? You mentioned Jaws first. Now you're gonna think that I'm crazy, but I think there should be a film that sh- of Spielberg's that should be mentioned before Jaws. Duel. Yes, because, okay, that truck. Was an enormous gas hog that spewed noxious fumes? <laughs> exactly, but, it, but see, that affects nature because those fumes affect nature. Is that one of your, is that one of your big villains like Piranha Fish? Exactly. <laughs> and yes, that truck, yes. that truck, okay, that was deadly. The truck that hit Cage? No, no. Was it that is, your honorable no, mention? Yeah, but that yeah, but the dual truck, <laughs> the dual truck is worse than the cage killer. Okay. Right, right, right. Or Gage, or whatever the fuck his name was. I don't Gage. know. Gage. Gage. That's it. His name was yeah. Tomato Soup. After that. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but somehow he just had a little bump on the head. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that mortician Whoa. was very skilled. Oh yes. Oh, I'll yeah. make your kid look uh, like he's uh, not. Strung out across the highway. Yeah, I don't know how the hell we did that. They like 
probably rebuilt him from scratch. They have the technology. Yeah, you know what? He was. They probably <laughs> turned him into like a Terminator. They, they, they you know, he was all like, like RoboCop. Um, they made him RoboCop. Yeah, RoboGage. Yeah, well, didn't you hear when he was slumping against the wall after he had the shot? He said, "I'll be back." <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Shit. Okay, duel. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know where that falls. I guess that's independent, probably, right? Well, that was a television movie. Yeah. That that Spielberg was hired to direct as his first feature length film. But it didn't spawn what Jaws spawned. No, it's, of course not. No. You know, yeah, I don't even know why Mike mentioned it. So, Jaws... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so now we get to the post-Jaws nature mock films. And uh, environmental horror, uh, you know, Jaws began a new wave, no pun intended, of killer animal stories such as Orca. Grizzly. Grizzly was a direct... I mean, dr- Grizzly happened because of Jaws. If it hadn't... Basically, when Jaws was so successful, they said... Let's make a our own version of Jaws, but we want to put it some. We want to put it on land. So they created Grizzly. And if you ever want to see a bear get blown up by a rocket launcher, watch Grizzly. <laughs> nature horror is like a subgenre horror film, you know, like featuring nature running amok in the form of mutated beasts, car- carnivore insects, and uh, like ha- like normally harmless animals that just turn into killers, like Cujo. Oh, and, Food of the Gods, too, one of my favorites. Yeah, Day of the Animals. Prophecy is one of my favorites, um, which that's all about environmental damage that we do. That's because mercury has been released into the water. So uh, there's this mutant bear, which, by the way, that movie includes the best ever sleeping bag kill, even better than Friday 7. No way. What? Absolutely. If you've never seen it, have you seen it? No. Fucking watch I have Prophecy. not. No, the only prophecy bear. I know is, uh, what do you call it? What's his name? Oh, it's Christopher Walken. Walken. No, wait. Um, Adrian is in this prophecy, right? Oh, is yeah. she from Rocky? I... You can't win! Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she is. But there is a scene where this bear comes across this family camping, and this kid jumps up in his sleeping bag. He's got, like, one of those wormy sleeping bags, and he's trying to hop away. And the bear just gives him a swipe with his paw, slams him up against this rock, and feathers and body parts go flying. It's awesome. Wow. But so I, it prophecies is, about bears and then it's some about of a, bears. It's about more than that, but okay. the main antagonist is this mutant bear um, that has – grown it also makes me cry though because i'm a i'm a sucker for the environmental stuff and um animal anything to do with animals you know that makes because i do have 18 cats (laughs) (laughs) anyone with 18 cats is gonna cry about anything (laughs) and if they're 57 they're they're, they're crying a lot too yeah (laughs) she can't take care of them like she used to no they had worms parasites plants snakes crocodiles rats primates felines Mammals. I, like, what feline? Like, is there a cat killer cat movie? Um, cat people? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, do you like cat people? I do. The original or the remake? Yeah, I like them both. Yeah, yeah. Remake's yeah. pretty sexy, I think. Yes, it is. Yeah. I bet you if Jamie got caught in a transport module with a cat, I don't think she'd mind. <laughs> like the fly? Yeah, like the fly. No, if but she... if it was like the fly too, then I'd be really oh. angry. <laughs> oh, the dog. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's not what about that. those killer rats? What the fuck? They were all over the place, weren't they? There were lots of different killer rats. <laughs> there was even this one from, I want to say it was from 72. What, Ben? Didn't rats come out on uh, from Scream Factory, Jamie? Like a rats movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The gods? 
where what they the actually hell is had, it called? They actually had um, there was originally it had two titles. One was Night Eyes, and the other one yeah, that yeah, was Deadly Eyes. That's on, it. Uh, Deadly Eyes. I'm sorry. Deadly and then eyes, it was recently it. released um, under the other title, which is. Or was it released under Deadly Eyes? It I don't remember. Deadly Deadly eyes. Eyes. It was Deadly Eyes. But, and then, um, what is it? Dachshunds were uh, yeah, dressed little as dachshunds, rats or whatever. Yeah. Little Dachshunds were dressed up as rats. And I actually have a friend who is friends with the – I have a friend in special effects who is friends with a person in special who, – who made those little Dachshund costumes for that movie. And she said one of the, the stories that she used to tell all the time about the horrors of making that movie was at the end of the shoot every day she had to clean all the poop out of the Dachshund costumes. Oh. Uh, oh. But they were cute as hell. I mean if you're watching that movie, they're like – <laughs> <laughs> I wonder they what they're so going so for on eBay. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what Michael J. Uh, liquid shit and Dotson shit would sell for. Yeah, we're about midway through this exploration of horror. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. I'm having a good time. I think uh, this is going pretty well so far. It can only go uphill because we know a lot more uh, on this end of things. So we'll be right back after this break. All right, and you want to cut this off? Go out and find yourself somebody available. Lion still isn't in? No, Mr. Larry, but then she's always a bit late on Monday mornings. Girl works for you for ten years, you trust her. Well, I ain't about to kiss off forty thousand dollars. I'll get it back, and if any of it's missing, I'll replace it with her fine soft flesh. Can you have a vacancy? Oh, we have twelve vacancies. Well, the uh mattress is soft, and the uh the bathroom. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Bates. Norman Bates. Is Marion here? No, of course not. Something wrong. She left home on Friday. And I haven't heard from her since. My name is Arbogast. Private investigator. See, I'm looking for a missing person. Isn't this the first place it looks like it's hiding from the world? Well, no one stopped here for a couple of weeks. Marion was up here. Spent last Saturday night at the Bates Motel. Is anyone at home? Oh, that, that, that must be my mother. Norman Bates' mother has been dead and buried for the past ten years. Oh, God, mother! No Arbogast, no Bates. Only the old lady at home. You want to go out there, don't you? Why don't you just get in your car and drive away from here, okay? So, slashers. Who's the slasher expert? Oh, aficionado. Aren't you an aficionado, Dave? It's official. An official aficionado, yes. Okay, well then, why don't you <laughs> fill a... us in about slashers? All right, well, slashers are basically, by description, or description is the word, by definition, I should say. They're a subgenre of horror films typically involving a mysterious or mass psychopathic killer stalking a sequence of victims in a violent manner often with a bladed tool such as a knife, machete, or an axe. So that's all you need. A guy that's killing people, well, usually a guy, and he has a sharp object. Um, but we're getting into a time period where the slasher is, is at its height. It's um, 
it's pretty much credited as the golden age of slasher films, and it's between 78 and 84. Um, as we talked about that's earlier. It? Yeah, the golden age. Well, that's when, like I said, that, that's when, like I said, every single weekend there was a slasher coming out. And that's not golden anymore? Yeah, it's golden. 78 to 84. That's what she said. What about 85, 86, 87, 88, 89? What they are, weren't, not they so weren't gold. coming out every single weekend like they were back then. There right. were, were still a lot of them, but it wasn't like that. Oh. Yeah, it was. It, it, it kind of run its course. They were still there, of course. But, I mean, it's just – You even had entries like Intruder in 91, but that still – I mean, they were still around. It just wasn't hmm. yeah. the heyday. Yeah. Wow. It wasn't. And they didn't have all those different titles where they covered every um, holiday every holiday and every significant day in a person's life, you know, <laughs> things like that. But One of my favorites was a series called National Potato Week. I got a potato. I, I cut it up and I make it into fries. <laughs> Here we go. Are you making fun of my rap? Because that's not how it goes. Oh, oh I, that's right. That was your rap. I dip it in ketchup with something and steak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Holy that was oh, great. Jesus. I want to hear that again. Yeah, she had a rap song about potatoes. <laughs> Why don't you put a beat to it, man? I like that should be fries. released. Yeah, we should. Yeah, man. That should be like, it should close the show or something. You know? <laughs> what? You don't like Buckethead? Potato <laughs> rap. Oh, yeah, that's right. Forgot about Buckethead. But every so often, you know, you got to take a little trip and do something different, you know? Be, be ballsy. Never. Yeah, never. Never. Sorry. Okay, forget I said that. Back to Slashers. We discussed it earlier. 79 or 78 was Halloween, and we know what happened. Um, Friday the 13th. We all came, know that, then, but is there something prolific to say about it? Like, we all know this, but is there anything to add? Well, you know, that film's an enormous success, and, and, and of course, you know, the success of Friday the 13th in 1980, they launched a slew of imitators, rip-offs, and riffs on the same theme. So it was up until 84. That, that's considered the greatest for the slasher film. And seriously, there was over 100 of them released. So that's... Yeah, like My Bloody Valentine, April Fool's Day, Slumber Party Massacre, some of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dorm the Dr- Blood, Graduation Day. The Burning. The, yep, Happy Birthday to Me. Maniac. The Prowler. <laughs> All right, so we can get out of this. Now, on and on and on. And holidays. Yeah, holidays you know? almost the same shit. Memorial Day, slashers. <laughs> All the Christmas movies. Everything was coming. <laughs> <laughs> So now, here's the thing. Now, we seem to be spending a lot of time in this area. It's only because, like I said, this area was significant, and it really shaped horror. And it's why we're probably fans. And one of the biggest things that took place, and this is not new, by the way, but it's the franchise boom. Uh, We just got done saying they made seven Draculars, 50 Frankensteins, all this other shit. We all know that in the 30s they had five Frankenstein movies, five Wolfman movies, five Mummy movies. So this is nothing new, this franchise thing. But it came back. It was like, or I guess it never really went away. I mean... Like if they made a if if a movie made any noise, you could bet your ass there'd be a part two within two to three years. You know, it was just insane. Well, this was the money made. These were the money makers at the time, and uh, you know who gets in the movie business if not to make money. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Child's Play. 
You know, I mean, that's when the mid '80s. You know, during this whole thing, it was like now. Uh, here's the significant thing. You know, mid '80s, it became it went from scary. You know, we all were afraid of those guys in the beginning, and then by 1985 and 1986 was the big boom of we are no longer gonna scare you. This is gonna be a fun ride, and we're all in on the joke. And everybody was in on the joke. Jason became uh, humorous and a joke when he slashed the thing and it looked like 007. Texas Chainsaw, totally a joke. Uh, Freddy Krueger <laughs> became a total joke in 1986. Um, you know, one-liners and shit. Uh, Child's Play, that was where we're saying we're not even going to act serious to begin with. It's a toy coming after you. <laughs> You know, they just, it was, you know, and some great stuff came out of that. Like we talked about House, the Return of the Living Dead, that type of fun atmosphere. And that was is also another reason we love these movies, you know, uh, the fun aspect. Evil Dead totally yeah, Evil jumped Dead on too. that. T- part two, yeah, yeah totally jumped yeah. on that. Uh, changed the entire character of Ash just to uh, make this happen, put the humor in there. So that was a, that was a great time. Uh, so now let's uh, depart from the golden age uh, and get into the 90s. Now, how do you guys feel about 90s horror? Well, it was pretty much non-existent in the beginning. I mean, horror in Hollywood had become a dirty word. No one wanted to make horror films. They were making, you know thrillers they were making psychological thrillers and uh, so we got things like silence of the lambs and seven which you know some people argue that they're not horror films but i argue that they are i just watched as a matter of fact i just watched seven last night not for this just because i suddenly got the urge to watch it it had been many years and as it turned then out then as i was like hey well i'm actually glad i'm watching this now because maybe it'll you know come up tomorrow and <laughs> So I'm making it come up. Um, <laughs> but um, no, as I was watching it, I was like, you know, I can see the argument for people who would say Seven's not a horror film. It's, you know, it's a it's a police drama or whatever. I can see that argument, except if you really stop and look at this film, it is psychologically horrific. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are it goes beyond there are things that are gross, like sloth and gluttony. But even those go beyond the gross out. I mean, if you listen to some of the lines in reference to, say, Sloth, for instance, which for people who haven't seen Seven, God, see Seven. It's Apart from anything, it's just really fucking good. But um, there's this one of the sins that they uncover is Sloth, where this guy has been chained to a bed for a year, and they find him, and they think he's dead. This is how fucked up he looks, how far gone he is. They assume he's dead when they see him, but then it turns out he's still alive. And the one of the doctors says he would die of shock right now if you shined a flashlight in his eyes. Yeah. And if his brains weren't mush, which they are, he bit off his tongue ages ago. So, or he chewed off his own tongue ages ago. So basically, he wouldn't be able to tell you anything about who did this to him. You just let those words sink in. And think about the horror behind that and all of these sins that were involved. This is a horror film. It is. <laughs> and I feel the same way about Silence of the Lambs. And I'm not saying just because there's violence. I'm not saying just because there's blood. 
you know, Pulp Fiction has a lot of violence. It's not a horror film. I don't think violence is what makes horror film. But I think if you look at these things at the core, there is so much that's aimed, you know, to bring that psychological unrest, you know, to make you feel uneasy, to make you feel uncomfortable, to freak you out on a gut level. And to me, that says horror. So even though they didn't claim to be horror films, I think they still were. It's just they were kind of a highbrow, uh, you know, we're too good to be called horror films, films, you know. We're actually, you know, allowed at the Academy Awards horror films because we call ourselves thriller, you know, because we deny the H word. But, uh, and that's pretty much what we got a lot of during that time. Yeah, and they put A and B listers in them, which was a big difference. You know? mm-hmm. That's all it was, is the people that were in it as well. Yeah, I mean, and well, and the directors. I mean, you had, you know, um, big time directors making these films and yeah, big time Fincher actors. And Demi. Yeah, Demi. Yeah, right. And big time actors starring in these films. Yeah. And um, that's something that, you know, the horror genre, we had just come from basically there would be people in a, in a, you know, a slasher from 86. You'd never see those people again. You'd never hear of that director again. And there was no big studio money. But these movies had big directors, big actors, and lots of money behind them. And a lot of respect. They garnered respect, whereas something labeled horror didn't. Yeah, I think it's a lot about the actors. They were, you know, established actors. It wasn't like fucking Annie from Friday One as in your fucking movie. You know, it was like real actors and, you know, talented people, big budgets. Like you said, uh, this is, uh, it's high, it's highbrow. You know, that's all there is to it. I mean, it's still horror. It's just highbrow horror. They just don't want to say that because, you know, a lot of accomplished actors feel that they're better than being in some schlocky horror movie, especially after the reputation horror got when you were releasing another one on a shoestring budget every single weekend. You know, you don't want to be associated. It's not good for your career. So you could imagine why. But that doesn't take away from the fact that we have these films, and you could put them in your stupid little horror library. What's the, what's the difference? You know, so I, I don't care what they call themselves, but we know what it is. Yeah, we know. I, I think the reason they did it is because things got so – I don't want to say it because I love it, but it kind of got absurd by the end of the 80s with, with the repetition of, of the sequel and just all kinds of stuff. I think they just wanted to, you know – Distance themselves. Yeah, make it a little more serious, like it, it more intelligent, you know, geared to, towards a different crowd, you know, because they, they know they're putting asses in the seats, but they see that it's declining. They're like, okay, well, what can we do next? Let's make horror more horrific in certain ways. For an older like, crowd, too, actually. And for an older crowd that had grown up in the, in the well, 80s Well, I was going to say that the, the big audiences that they had pandered to in the 80s, who were then teenagers, were now adults. Right. And they needed something more sophisticated to keep them interested. Because just like Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman uh, were no longer doing it midway through and they ended up with Adam Costello, the same way Jason, Freddy, and uh, Leatherface were no longer scaring people. And they became what they did. So now we got to move on. You know, you always got to move on. It's just, you know, nothing lasts forever. a perceived need as there was in the beginning of the 60s uh, for adult intelligent horror and it was provided in the form of disturbing violent thrillers such as Silence of the Lambs uh, Seven Misery 
Cape Fear, Robert De Niro, Flatliners, The Others, just to name a few. The Others. The Others was 2000, I believe. Blame Dave. That, Blame that me. Was, Why is I The Others on there? It was a... Hmm. Yeah, that I should have The Others was like 2000. And yeah, no, exactly it was also was. a ghost movie, so... Um, Maybe there's a different Others that... that it's it The Other movie. Others. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, there is a different others, but I think it, it it's was the other um, from seventy two. It's the other right? from that, but yeah, that's about the the little boy, and that's a, that was from the seventies. So I don't know how that got there. So I don't know what that's doing there. It doesn't belong in but, it at all. Even but, if it was there, it doesn't belong because that's a ghost story, and those are like psychological. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, I will not forget to edit this out. You're you're missing a key element though of of nineties thrillers though. Okay. You're missing one very important one. Oh, don't tell me Halloween 6. You're no. damn skippy, sir. It's a thriller? It is a thriller. Hey, that, VH, it's a horror, that it's a VHS cover. Or no, <laughs> on the VHS, it had a little bubble on the um, top left-hand corner of the label. And it said, recommend this thriller to friends. <laughs> See, because um, maybe that is a that is indicative of the times. Because even straight up horror films, which that arguably is a horror film, uh, but even straight up I don't horror, think you have to argue too hard. Even straight up horror films um, are referring to themselves as thrillers, just to get away from the word horror. And Halloween Six is not a thriller. Fucking uh, sticking feathers up your ass and quacking does not make you a duck. <laughs> <laughs> oh look, Mike tried it, everybody. <laughs> Mike, are you a duck? I could be, sir. What do you guys think of that period of Silence of the Lambs, Seven, Misery? Like Misery, man. God, that was so good. I love stuff like that. When she They're put fantastic. his feet up on the blocks and just took the sledge to him. Oh my God, that was brilliant. Goddamn penguin, man. Oh. <laughs> They're I fantastic. saw it in the movies. I was um, all by myself, me and my girlfriend at the time, and that was it. I'll never forget it. <laughs> yeah, so you know what what happened. But anyway. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. So let's get back to uh, unlistable assholes. <laughs> 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 That's my memory of misery, though. So that, you know. Yeah, it wasn't too miserable for you. <laughs> they are fantastic films. I think it's sad that they um, are just so terrified to refer to themselves as horror you know, that they're ashamed of it because there are so many elements in each of those films. And it's not just that they're violent. You know, that alone – I mean I said this before. Violence alone does not make a horror film. That's not my point. Blood alone does not make a horror film. Um, but there are true horror elements in those films, and uh, they're excellent. I I love them. Every one of them that we mentioned, I love them. Um, Except for the others. Except, yeah. <laughs> I'm never, never going to fucking hear the end of it now. <laughs> hey, Alex was the one that blindly read the copy. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's just a blame is on you. Right. <laughs> I should have picked up on it. This is my fault. Uh, it's like movies like The Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> Unlistenable asshole. Bernie's. Great outfit what am, what what am I reading? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have read anything. Now, Weekend at Bernie's is a great thriller. <laughs> All right, so Silence of the Lambs, everybody knows that's great. Uh, that's, you know, we said earlier, you know, these movies are horror movies, clearly. They're, they But they are a step above horror. I'll, I'll even give them that because we already said the actors are better. The budget's better. Uh, the writing is better. They're more for adults. They're sophisticated. Right. But I'm mad. I'm mad about it, and I'll tell you what I'm mad about. 
that there was only a, a hand like the movies we named these five six movies. That's all there was. Horror sucked in the nineties, and I don't care what anybody says. It was no, no, it didn't. These were a few good movies. H two O. You got Halloween six. <laughs> you got N- N- Nightmare on Elm Street Part seven and six. I think. <laughs> You had Friday the 13th, Jason Goes to Hell. <laughs> After you the 80s, this leather was... face. Yeah, <laughs> this was terrible. I'm not saying there weren't good horror movies in the 90s. Yes, there <laughs> were, but there was only like 20 to 30 of them. Where in the 80s, there was about fucking, you know, 100 or more. It was, it just, there wasn't enough of, I really enjoy Silence of the Lambs 7, all of those movies. I'm fine with them. Silence of the Lambs 7? Silence of the Lambs 7. I never saw part four. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> so let's get animal movie. Sorry. So now, what happens to horror? You know, it seems like it's uh, it's dissing horror is dissing itself from itself. So what happens? What's Craven happens? Craven. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the guy who. Came up with arguably the greatest concept of a horror villain in history of horror, and totally blew it on execution. Uh, I mean, almost everybody disagrees with me, but I'm sorry. Nightmare on Elm Street is just not that good of a movie. It's an amazing concept. I agree with you. I say it all the time. I think it's a good movie. I, I, I mean, there are things great... about it that I really love, but overall, I never thought it was scary. I think the concept is a scary one. I don't think the film is. No, it's not even well done. The acting from the lead, Nancy, is terrible. The mom is terrible. The cop is okay. Uh, Freddie's great, you know. I don't think he found his footing exactly, but he was he was really good. And and but it just it just didn't. It looked cheap. It didn't hit you the way it should. I think I think people are more into the nostalgia of it and the great concept of it, and that kind of gets them through everything else. I don't think anybody would truly think this was great if if it wasn't like iconic, you know. And there are iconic scenes, like the bedroom scene, I perfect, yeah. and the scene coming out of the ceiling of the wall, and you know, tons. You know, we could go on and on, uh, but. Overall, it's it's not that great of a movie, but it's like such a perfect concept that it's too bad they couldn't have actually done it right the, by the time the remake came. Somehow they actually did it worse. Oh, sorry, Jamie. That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, so what happened? Wes Craven came back and did a far better movie called Scream, uh, written by Kevin Williamson. Uh, the movie came out in 1996, right after, so we're midway through the 90s. Things are sucking every second so far for horror. And then in 1996, one of the best horror movies ever made, Halloween 6. I mean, Scream comes out. <laughs> you know, and people like to, people love to trash this film. I mean, there are, now a lot of our, the people that we talk to are fans and, um, and rightfully so. But there are people out there who love to trash this film because of what came after it. You cannot blame this film for the stuff that came after it. It's not this film's fault. And there is really no arguing the fact that this breathed new life into horror as a genre. There, You cannot argue that. If you were there, then you know it. And uh, there is – it's indisputable. Um, there were – when this movie uh, hit its height, there were people who would go to see it every single night and they were quoting it and doing – like acting it out like people do with Rocky Horror Picture Show. Jamie, you don't have to say people. Just say I. 
I mean, I mean, we don't have to hide who we no, are. No, I here. never did that. I never did that. <laughs> um, but I can tell you, I remember everything about the day that I went to see this film and how blown away I was and how excited and giddy I was because I hadn't experienced anything like it in years. Yeah, Dave, I mean, what did you think? Because you were way into the 80s slashers and that whole movement. So how did you feel when it was clear that horror was, was on a new path? Did you accept that? Uh, right away or what at the time it was so refreshing and it was great and i loved it by the time the second and the third came out i was burned out because of everything that followed it and for the longest time i I, i've held the movie scream you know it's been on a pedestal and i would always purchase it i bought the dvd i even bought the blue when the blue came out and i never had the desire to go back and watch it don't know why well i do know why because everything that followed turned me off that it didn't turn me off to the movie someone asked about scream i'd say yeah it's a great movie but I, I all the other things that came after did something to my brain where i didn't want to see that kind of horror anymore and so i didn't watch it and i didn't watch it again until the skeleton crew did their retro it was the first time i watched it in years who's that what's that who's the skeleton crew yeah just some fucking some group some show and um you know <laughs> <laughs> you guys did the show and I said well I want to watch along with with them so I did and it all came back to me how much and why I loved Scream and everything about it so now you know I will watch it again but you know to answer your question it blew me away alright Dave give me a yay or nay here we're going to get into everything that came after this and I want to see what you had a problem with okay yay or nay I know you did last summer never watched it until you guys did your retro Wow. That's a yay for me. I really enjoyed that movie. It was okay. Initially. I watched it. It was okay. Urban Legend. Watched it. Uh, like the yay. end, but eh. I love the concept. That was. I do too. Yes. That was such a phenomenal concept, which it actually pissed me off at the time because I had been wanting to write a book um, about uh, urban legends. And as soon as that movie hit, Urban legends were everywhere. I mean, there were books, there were TV shows, there was, a, and I was like, God damn it. <laughs> so they kind of mm-hmm. pissed me off ruining that. But I still, I still liked the movie. Plus, Joshua Jackson was in it, which I thought was because oh. I was in love with Pacey. <laughs> so hot. <Yeah. laughs> uh, especially like when he's gay in the other movie. <laughs> Real attention. That was so hot. Does he have any dick pics? Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy, I do like and Urban Legends. I saw it once. I remember really liking the um, the concept and really liking the the reveal at the end. But if you I, ask, I never saw it yet, can you believe that? But if you ask me one thing about the movie, I can't tell you about one kill or anything that happened in it. And I haven't had the need to revisit it, so I don't know. The Faculty, yeah or nay? Never bothered. Yay! Oh, it's great. The Faculty's really good. Yeah, oh, yeah it just fell in line with the rest of those movies. They just didn't. No, so I'm going to say that that. Mid to late '90s horror is not Dave's wheelhouse. That's I'm just reaching here. <laughs> Dave, you gotta watch Faculty. Dude, really? Yeah. Everything seemed the same. It was so polished. The floating heads on the cover of the boxes. It was all the same rehashed shit. I just I don't know. It just turned me off. I was so excited with Scream, but then everything that came after it just like I said. I watched Urban Legends, but it's not memorable. Well, the I faculty just, isn't a slasher, so there's that. It's totally different. So, oh, it's um, not. I thought it was about teachers killing students or something. Uh, no. Nah. Not really. Okay. I mean, not 
it's not a slasher. So right, right. Um, just watch it because it's different, you know, so there's something. But I totally get what you're saying. I mean, all the marketing stuff looked exactly the same. The films all are very glossy, very shiny. Mm-hmm. Um, they have really famous people in it that you uh. see all the time on WB and everywhere else, you know. Um, and that became a thing, and, and it kind of it wore itself out. It did. I got ti- I got tired of seeing and all the teeny the teeny bobbers that I'd seen everywhere. Right there, you go, Jamie. It's the teeny bob. It was it was, it was the fact that it got big for some reason, and all of a sudden everybody was a horror fan. Where in the eighties, only the diehards were there watching the movies and reading Fangoria and being part of that 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 click. Where all of a sudden it became fucking cool. Now the cool kids like it. Yes. So maybe that's another reason I didn't like it. It just it seemed too. Popular. It was too mainstream. It was too, too mainstream. mainstream. Thank yeah. you. But oddly enough, it was still done well for most of the most of the time. So H two O, yay! Hollow Scream. Hollow Scream. I have to say, I, this this past October, I went through all the Halloweens again. I don't know why I did it last year and told myself I was never going to fucking do that again, and I'd be damned if I didn't do it again. <laughs> But I, and I have to say, you know, you guys remember from the big uh, Friday Thirteenth Halloween show that we did, and I railed against, um, I, I railed against H two O. Oh no, that means the the numbers were off. Um, <laughs> Halloween should have won. Uh. Um, but and and you know, several times since then or whatever. But I have to tell you this, and I, and I have to admit, I went back and I watched H two O again, and I liked it. There were a lot of things. There were still issues that I have with it. One being that it was very neutered. I it was there. There were so ugh, I don't know, but the, but there were things about it that I really really did like, and um, oh, I loved it. I still wish that the whole um, ice ice cube. Um, what's his name? L, you don't like L O Cool J? He was great in this. I really wish that that whole romance novel thing what? part yes, wasn't I, there because it annoys the piss out of me. But oh, I love that. Other than that, I, I did. I have to give it more credit. And so and she she revealed two tumultuous melon breasts. <laughs> oh, I love that. I don't like it. And, and I'll say this: the last time I watched it was for the Banana Laser Retro, and I think I said I gave it three out of five, and I was okay with it. But the last time I tried to watch it this past October. And I was just bored with it. It couldn't hold my oh, attention stop. at all. However, that was always the problem I had with it. Really? Yeah, it was boring, and I just couldn't get into it. I wanted to, and I just next I'm reaching for my phone. I'm doing this. I was distracted. It didn't hold my attention. But I will say this: I will watch the last twenty minutes of that movie anytime. I love the fucking the climax of the chase. And as soon as Michael and Laurie hook up, boom! I might just do that this year. I just might watch the first. She's like, Michael. <laughs> it's cool. And Dave's in. That's it. That's what I like. Everything else, meh. Too screech. I'm so into L O Cool J when I was younger that I could. There's a song he has. It's 500 lyrics, and to this day, I memorized them all when I was like 15. And to this day, I could. Right now, I could sit here and do the whole song with no music behind me. What? Yep. Dude, I love L O. Well, you're I that type of guy. Right. <laughs> actually, it's called nice, but it's actually called I Need Love. Oh, I know that one. When I'm alone in my alone room. In my room, sometimes I stare at the wall in the back, back of my, my room. I have call. Tell me any girl's sweet as for some of the list. There was. Giggling about the games I played in her house. I see any memes. Thought occurred to you drive my abs there and ask him, look what's done to her. I can feel inside. I can't explain how it feels. I never just know the real deal. Playing. Yeah, I can do that. And sound like Cartman doing Sailing Away. Sailing Away. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I could do that whole song. Me Good too. Song. I could do that whole album. I'll go a step further. Hello, Cool J, Bad. I fucking the one summer that that album was in my cassette player, player every fucking day. Hello, Cool J, Bigger and Deffer. I love that album. So, the yeah. best thing he ever released is called All World. It's all of his hits. But for some reason, I'm the type of guy who's not in there. So I I ripped all the songs into the computer and reburned them with that song onto a CD. Nice. Yes, I'm a loser. Okay, so now we got the 2000s for a second because Scream was so powerful, that style went on into the 2000s. Not too far, though. Like, The Dentist was 1996. That came out immediately after. It went to about averagely 2001. So that whole thing lasted five full years. Cry Wolf was 2005. So you can say they were trying to reach, you know, they were trying to kind of get there. But it was over by then, by the time Cry Wolf came out. Oh. So here's here's a bunch of other movies that also was doing the Scream thing. You got Cherry Falls. Yep. You got Cut. You got Valentine. You got Anatomy. You got Flashback. Final Stab. The Pool. You know, all those movies, It was that is, that is the wave that came out after Scream. And that was all in the 2000s, 2000, 2001. I thought Cherry Falls was interesting because they went the opposite of the typical slasher film where they were actually picking yes. off virgins rather than the virgin making it to the end, which I thought was innovative and clever. Yeah, that that was that was cool too. Uh, good concept, definitely. Well, how many people could you kill? Like two? I mean, how many girls are virgins? <laughs> well, like, what are you killing, kids? <laughs> you didn't see the movie. Kids. <laughs> Man, I want to... Never mind. Oh, fuck. Yeah, but what I was saying, what, what I was thinking was that it did... Those movies came out in the 2000s, but other ones came as a result. And Final Destination came out and shit like that. Good slash Creepers. I loved Idle Hands. I loved <laughs> Final Destination. Oh, Final Destination. Oh, just um, help the first one, Idle Hands. Yeah, I mean, of course, we're still in that trend of... of uh, Actual, famous actual famous people doing movies, or I mean, because Seth Green was in Idle Hands. I thought you said famous people. <laughs> <laughs> but they weren't famous. <laughs> but at the time, Reckon Meyer was, was in a bunch of them. You know, um, you had that whole little group of. It was like the 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 millennial version of the Brat Pack that showed up everywhere. Yeah, when they made Idle Hands, though, I think that they were pretty much virtually unknowns, though. I think it was Jessica Alba's first movie. I could be wrong. I don't know. I just Yeah, I think it was. Were- I think that was Jessica Alba's first movie. I don't remember if she was already doing um Dark Angel or not. I think she oh. was. I think that it came on the heels of Dark Angel. She was basically doing what the other girls were doing from the other shows because Nev Campbell was from Party of Five and so was Jennifer Love Hewitt and then the other girl was from Dawson's Creek, Michelle, uh, whatever her name was. Uh, Williams. Williams. Yeah, so they were all making that jump and they are all like making a horror movie. All of a sudden it was okay. You would have never well, seen that. Katie Holmes had done b- disturbing behavior. Oh, um, Everyone had their turn. <laughs> you know, Pacey, or P- Joshua Jackson had been in <sighs> a couple and... Um, everyone, so everyone from the popular teen shows at that time had their turn in a horror film. Isn't that something? That never would have happened in the eighties. Could you imagine like a sh- show in the eighties, like Tracy Gold from Growing Pains, fucking <laughs> going under? Yeah, she goes start stabbing sandwiches and shit. Right. 
or Nicole Eggert fucking was on that one thing, Char- Charles in Charge, or whatever. Yeah, the but fuck she wasn't show. blown away though. Yeah, was years blown. later, but I not at the same time would she have done a slasher. It just doesn't. Yeah, sleep. right, right. In the night, it seemed okay for some reason. Yeah, uh, the only loser who couldn't get a job uh, in horror that was in these fucking Dawson's Creek was the main guy, Vanderbilt. Yeah, but he did a good one years later. The whole street, big, one of them big head things. Oh yeah. I don't know. I didn't see it. I just heard he was in it. It was decent. I don't know. His skull was too big. <laughs> All right, so. For those of you who hated Scream, you hated the polished bullshit, you hated Dawson's Creek in every fucking movie, well, guess what we got for you guys? Remakes! Yeah! Come on! Oh, did they start off terribly. The the big remake that, in my opinion, I don't know if you guys agree, that changed the direction of horror was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I believe that's where it is, um, because even Dawn of the Dead was after that. It was 2004, so the Texas Chainsaw... Those were the big two, straight up. Right, right, straight up. Straight up, bitch! Those were the big two. You can't even deny that. But here's the thing. Remake stuff started a little before that. Uh, a lot of people don't want to be reminded, but I have to remind you of the remakes of House on Haunted Hill was 1999. The Haunting, 1999. 13 Ghosts, 2001. I mean, all those Dark Castle films when Dark Castle was created solely to remake horror films. That was that was their plan. Mm-hmm. In the beginning. And so right off the bat, we got those three. Right. Now, I, I said on another show, I was actually a fan, believe it or not, of House on Haunted Hill. Um, I think I just appreciated the guy who really reminded me of Vincent Price or something. I I don't know what it that was. That was the thought... best part about it. Uh, Jeffrey Rush's portrayal of the Vincent Price character was the best part. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Haunting, I never even watched it. It looked... I saw the main girl, the main lady who was in them. It just looked insanely boring to me, so I never got into it. 13 Ghosts, I watched it for the hot chick. I forgot her name, the American Pie chick. Oh, and Eliz- Suvari? Eliz- Elizabeth. Oh, Berkeley. Uh, Shannon. 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 Shannon Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. Shannon Elizabeth. Yeah. And it was <laughs> so bad. Uh, I just... I, or at the time, I thought so. I never gave another shot. Good gore. Well, decent gore and a few kills, I should say. Okay, yeah, it just didn't click to me, though. The slasher thing, it's dead. And now what we're going to do is pretty much just remake the stuff we already did. Just like Hammer did with the Frankensteins of the 30s and the 60s. Now we're doing this stuff from the... You know, they, they, they tried to start... They really did give a sort of effort to re, only remake movies from the 70s. They really did. Uh, they started off with Texas Chainsaw and, you know, Dawn of the Dead. Um, and those were like, you know, 74. And Dawn of the Dead was like 78? Yes, 78. But okay. let me let me say one thing. Do you guys remember when these movies were announced and what the initial reaction was? No. Jamie, you must know. You I must do. have been well, on the Well, yes, I do. I was, right. I was working on... I was moderating a message board at the right. time. <laughs> and um, it was unreal the amount of vitriol that was released right. towards the remakes the idea of remaking these films and i was right there with them i don't know how you felt but no i was, was I, for me you know i i because 
I said I had the same argument back then. It's a why. Why are you going to do that when these amazing films already exist when you could take these resources and create something that's never been done before? Because right. the writers are out there. The stories are out there. They're just not being used. That reminds me. Whatever happened to Bo's movie? With it's that, coming. Uh, it's coming out. It's completed. Yeah. It's actually been making the festival circuit, getting really good reviews. Um, and it's. I think it's going to be May, April or May. Yeah, I was thinking that because I knew it made the festivals and I knew people had seen it. I had I, I had read a couple of reviews that were favorable. I'm like, great. But I felt like I'm, I'm waiting for this longer than I'm waiting for the fucking Green Inferno. <laughs> No, I know, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it has been a long time coming, but it is coming. Um, I, it's, I think it's getting a theatrical release in Canada. I'm yes. not sure when. And then it's going to be available on VOD and I believe VOD and DVD um, like in April or May. Let's take bets. It's again, what's going to come out first, Bo's movie or Green Inferno? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or Jeepers Creepers 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe we shouldn't have had Jamie promote that on show 67. Maybe that was a little uh, premature. <laughs> How about the whole remake phase? Like, what do you make of it? Well, you know, when they started off with Texas Chainsaw and Dawn of the Dead, you know, we didn't know what to think about it. Well, we didn't know what to think. We were opposed to it. When they came out, there was a different story. But obviously they were successful. And... um Next came uh, – around the same time, there was what, 2001 Maniacs came out, and that was the early 2000s. So I think that was another one of the first ones. So, But that wasn't at the theater. But it was released, and that wasn't bad in my opinion. It was fun. Yeah, but, I think um, it was fun. Only that one I think flew under a lot of people's radar. It sure Because did. I think the original film has flown under a lot of people's radar. I mean, there are well, a lot of yeah, people who weren't, yeah. weren't familiar with 2000 Maniacs or H.G. Lewis in, in general. Yep. Yeah, it, but I enjoyed it. I'll tell you that much. And I, let's, let's go. I'll go on the record right now. People should see it. So, two thousand one maniacs. Just a plug. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So that Texas Chainsaw two thousand one maniacs, Dawn of the Dead. Um, then we get Rob Zombie's Halloween, and that was a little bit going along the lines of what they did with Texas Chainsaw with ex- exploring the backstory of, of Michael. And they showed the childhood, and uh, you know that was critically panned, but it had success in in in, in its theatrical run. It had a sequel, of course, part two, which is highly debated. And next thing you know, we got reimaging riots all over the place, and, th- and then we get thirteen. Well, we talked about thirteen ghosts. <laughs> we get the hills have eyes. Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, and they're 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 going on and on. Children of the Corn, Prom Night, Day of the Dead, My Bloody Valentine. So many, and so many movies that in the 70s and the 80s are held in high regard. It just, it just went out of control. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not against remakes. I'm really not. You know, by the time we get past, you know, Texas Chainsaw was kind of jarring. Day of the Dead, you know, Dead was, at that point, or Dawn of the Dead, everybody seemed to not really mind because i think that was so well received and the hills of eyes was so much better than the original in my opinion and you know in my opinion so to me i wasn't against it and at this point once you've seen in halloween i hated you know i like the first 30 minutes the first act i should say and uh at that point it's like well i guess there it's like you cannot fight it it's like a dam is in front of you and a, a, a leak springs and you put your finger in it, another leak, you put your other finger, other hand, 
then the down there leaks and your toes and you all your fingers, all your toes, your tongue, everything you could do. It's just not going to stop. So at that point, you just got to say, okay, look, this is where we're going. This is what they're going to do. A couple indie studios will make some stuff in the meantime. Hopefully that'll be good. So you accept it. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I accept it. I don't think it's such a big deal to see anything remade. And plus, we're ten, we're fifteen years into this. Yeah, I accept it now. I've I've come to. I mean, it was hard for me in the beginning, and because <laughs> they kept attacking movies that I loved so much, and because they were going after the big ones, they were going after the recognizable names, and and so as I watched them fall repeatedly, <laughs> it was very upsetting for me in the beginning. But I've become, I've come to accept it now, and and I think really I don't have a problem with remakes at all. I think that there have been a lot of successful remakes, um, not necessarily that I like more than the original, but that I just think are really good. Um, like for instance, My Bloody Valentine is my favorite slasher of the original. I love that film. I also really love the original. I mean, the remake. Atkins. Um, yes, Tom freaking Atkins. <laughs> he didn't have enough screen time. Um, right now, do you believe? that Nightmare on Elm Street remake is better than Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, man, this is good. I don't know if I've ever said this in public before, but I do. I do. I I actually enjoy watching the original Nightmare on Elm Street. It's not that I don't like the film. I do. I just never thought it was scary. I think that the remake... But is it good? ...did something... Um, I think it could be better. I think it's that it's. Oh, I think that it's cheap in a lot of places. Yeah. Um. I think the acting is pretty bad in a lot of places. You know, it's not without fault, and anyone who thinks it is is, is blind. You know, I will openly admit that a lot of the Friday the Thirteenths are with fault. You know, I mean, I'm I'm in a and I'm a Friday the Thirteenth apologist, but I will tell you right now that they they have issues. So you know, you have to be able to see and admit these things even about the things you love and if you don't have a love for a nightmare if you've never seen it before and you someone just plopped it down in front of you there are things that you're going to point out that are really great but there are things that you're going to point out that are not so great you know what it's like it's like having a, a child every kid is not perfect so you know I, we all think we're going to have perfect kids the thing is if your kid's not perfect i'm not i'm not going to go as far as retarded but Let's just say uh, your kid's fat, like really fat or really ugly or sort of dumb, things like that. Like, are you going to say, I don't love my kid as much because he's not perfect? No, of course not. You're going to love them as you're just going to keep them in the house more often. Exactly. I'm not, <laughs> not going to let my friends or family see them that much. And the pictures will be all like photoshopped. I do, I, I'm, but I agree with Alex in that I think the concept is better than the execution. Well, it's an incredible concept, of course. It's yeah, it, but it doesn't mean it doesn't matter what you do with that concept. It's never going to live up to the idea that you have. Well, that's a good that's a good point too. That is an excellent point. You cannot live up to it. Just like you can't the movie it. You can't live up to what Stephen King wrote when you're trying to make the ending. No, of course not. Especially if you make it a giant spider. <laughs> it's, even the whole concept of no matter what you're afraid of, it knows what you're most afraid of, and it's going to you know, invade you with that. That concept is fucking incredible. No movie like, could ever do that. Like the Marshmallow Man. <laughs> or the Teen Wolf. <laughs> when the Teen Wolf attacked the kid in the boiler room. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> the teen wolf, he calls him. I'm thinking of the kid jerking off in the bathroom. Sorry. <laughs> ah, yes. Every time I hear teen wolf, I think of that now. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> hey, no problem. I'm always happy to taint American uh, American classics. Yes. All right, so we ran the gambit. I mean, uh, you know, remakes, remakes. What are you going to do? Uh, it's still going on today. It's the year 2015. If uh, you're just tuning in now and it's like the year 2023 or something. And, uh, yeah, remakes are still going on. Uh, we're all waiting for Jaws to drop. What's the other, what's <laughs> the the other big one? Exorcist, that's it. it better not Two be. films that I really don't see them being able to touch. Um, nope. Of course, I said that about Rosemary's Baby, and I'll be damned if they didn't do that. But um, there well, are I'm not surprised they approached it. Are you really surprised that Actually, they did yeah. it? No, I'm yeah. not. I mean, it's just a and, regular movie. I mean, and I that one's not completely untouchable. I mean, it is, right. and it is art. I mean, if the right. original film is a fucking masterpiece, but Absolutely. there are, you know, the story itself does not does not limit the ability to retell that story. The problem I think you have with The Exorcist is that we have had it is impossible to this day to make any kind of uh, possession film without having to make yourself aware of what the exorcist has already done and either you embrace that and try to use it in which people laugh at you and compare you to the exorcist or you purposely go in a different route which people then will laugh at you and <laughs> and accuse you of trying to avoid the exorcist it's you it's pretty much a topic that has been done, and I actually just watched the exorcist um like two nights ago um god that's a, such a good movie Oh, yeah. Damn, that's a good movie. But um, I just don't see – and watching that, I'm watching it, and this was the first time I'd watched it on Blu-ray. And I'm watching this in it's all, all its high-definition glory, and there are a couple of times when you can see some things that you weren't intended to see. Not not bad, not bad. I'm not talking like throat slit bad in Friday the 13th. <laughs> I'm, you know, nothing like that. Kevin but. Bacon. I'm watching this and I'm still going, God damn it, this movie holds up. You could yeah. not improve on this. Now, Mike, I can't. Oh, wait. Oh, Mike left. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Just so everybody knows, <laughs> Mike um, had to dip out for a second because his brother uh, is either a really bad driver or there was a new problem. So Mike may be back in the dungeon. He ran out of here. I had to mute out the clinking of the canes and all that stuff. But. <laughs> He'll be back. Possibly. We'll see. Uh, it's a, This show is just <laughs> surrounded by chaos lately. So, um, you know, Dave, then, you're... What's that? I was going to say, and then a Jaws remake would just come off as Deep Blue Sea. Problem with the Jaws <laughs> remake. LL Cool J is hard Which as hell. Which really love Deep Blue Sea. I have, a, I have a deep love and affection for that film. Not because I think it's all that fantastic, necessarily, but I just enjoy it. I've never seen it. That Samuel probably... Jackson scene is so classic. You guys watch it. It's fun. I mean, I actually really like LL Cool J in that film. See, that's my issue. I don't watch movies with rappers. Anymore. Rappers or wrestlers. Rappers is, or wrestlers, uh, yeah. Is uh, J-Lo in that movie? No. But she's an anaconda. Oh, anaconda, okay. <laughs> yeah, you show your anaconda, don't you, Alex? Oh, my God. She's still so hot. You're right. You're right. But Jaws. Jaws they, here's why they can never remake Jaws. Number one, it's an excellent movie. Number two... <laughs> that hasn't stopped him before. I know, but I just wanted to say that. To be nice. <laughs> I just wanted to say it to be nice. But number okay. two, 
you know they would use a CGI shark and it would be fucking horrible. horrible. Yeah, it would basically be Deep Blue Sea. That's it. <laughs> oh, that was a CGI shark? It was. Well, it was three CGI sharks. Oh my god! Um, that's how they. That's how they. I guess they stopped themselves from being compared to a Jaws wannabe, as they put multiple sharks in it. That way, you can't say we were Jaws because there are more than one shark. So they were like, instead they were piranha. <laughs> the fishes, right, Mike? Oh, Mike left. Yeah, those fishes. <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, this is all happening at the same time, by the way. You know, these things blend into each other. We're just trying to give you a walkthrough. Horror 101, everybody. That's what you're listening to. We're teaching you about horror. Yeah, right. Uh, no, but seriously, that's what's going on. And this is not limited to American movies. You know, Japanese horror films are now entering the U.S. through remakes. Because nobody wants to listen to Chinese talk or Japanese talk. <laughs> You know, they want American people saying these things so we don't have to read the whole goddamn movie. That's just how it is. You know, nobody wants that. So here's a list of <laughs> horror films that the, you know, Japanese made that are now in the U.S. market. You got The Eye. Uh, that's that's based on a film by the Pang Brothers. It's uh, the latest in a series of remakes inspired by horror films from Japan, Korea, China, American audiences first became aware of this trend in like 2002 when The Ring was remade. That was a 1998 gem ring. It was released to uh, blockbuster success, $130 million it made in the box office alone. That's not including any of the home video. Uh, This led to The Grudge two years later based on Juwan, The Grudge, everybody knows that, which is almost as big a success as The Ring earning about $110 million, so it was $20 million less, but by the time you get past 100 who the fuck counts anymore? Uh, of course, this kind of success inspires repetition, just like Scream, inspi- just like in the 80s, just like any era, it inspires repetition. Once somebody sees somebody made money, oh, I could do something similar. It's like Avis and Hertz. It's like Pepsi and Coke. Same old shit. So American cinema now is being drowned in remake of Asian horror films. Like, even when Hatchet came out, they, they made a, a tagline. It was like, it's not a sequel, it's not a remake, it's not based on a Japanese one. You know, it's it just became a joke. Everything sort of becomes a joke at some point. That was 2002, Ring, Grudge 2004, Dark Water 2005, Pulse 2006. I mean, they just cranked them out. Uh, one Miss Call 2008. You know, uh, so what do you guys... Now, Dave, well, you're the more of a... Well, yeah, I like all the Asian horror, you know, and like you said, like you mentioned, Japan, Korea, China, you know, some even come from Philippines and and whatnot, but there's a bunch of them. And yeah, the funny thing is this, a lot of people weren't even aware of of the, um, the originals until the remakes came out, like the ring, the ring came out in 2002 and the original ring came out in Japan in 98. Now I knew I was aware of this movie ring. Because I would see it in um, advertised or brought up in a Fangoria magazine. But of course, back then, even at the mom and pop shops, I could not find this movie. All I knew was that this movie was highly regarded. People said it's scary as hell. You really got to see this movie. And people, it was talked about. So I, I seek this movie out. I could not find it. But I thought it was great. And then The Ring comes out, and I thought that was great too, even though it was a different movie. 
just like Juwan. I love the Juwan series. That's my favorite thing. They've done a pretty good job with the ring and the grudge. Um, the other ones, not so much. I think that those are the, uh, the two real big ones that they represented well. But as far as the whole Asian invasion thing, it, it's th- there's so many now. I mean, they're all over Netflix. There's tons. And to, has the quality declined or... Um, in a way, they kind of, like American movies, it kind of got cliche about the girl with the long dark hair and, and doing that thing. And they're all ghost stories. And they wore themselves out a bit. But overall, and I'll, I'll say that to this day, since the 2000s and now here in 2014, I still will choose uh, an Asian movie over an American movie if given the choice I still think they crank out the best stuff overall and then you got the the extreme stuff see there's two different types of those of those movies we got that stuff and then we got the extreme shit you know with Takashi uh, Miike and guys like that that put out Audition and Three Extremes and I don't know if you know Jamie you're probably familiar with those movies right? oh yeah yeah sure you know what I mean there's we have the extreme movies which are sick and fucking twisted and gory and then the other ones, which are, are supernatural, they don't have any nudity and they have barely any gore. So I think they're doing a lot right in, in those countries with, with horror. It's great. You get on Netflix. There's a bunch there. I mean, it, it, all over the place. There, any of the streaming sites now, there's it, very easy access for for those types of movies. Jamie, I guess you're not crazy into the Japanese thing. No, I'm. There are a lot of them that I've seen, and David and I have had a couple conversations here and there about them. Um, there are some that I really like. I totally agree with the long, dark-haired girl thing. I mean, we saw yeah. that a lot, and and it just got to the point where, you know, I mean, it is really frightening imagery, but, you know, how many times can you see it and it still remain frightening? And of the, it's interesting with the American remakes of those, I tend to have, I tend to go against the grain. There's like the, the two major ones, the grudge and the ring. Um, it's either, it, it, people tend to be in one camp or the other. Most people seem to uh, really like the ring. I, however, really like the grudge. I think that one was very successful. When I saw it in the theater, it scared the crap out of me. And I didn't think the ring was scary at all, but most people seem to think the other way. But I thought Grudge was terrifying when I first saw it. I saw it again when I bought it for five bucks in Best Buy like two years ago. I thought it was a joke. It does really? not. It does not hold up as well on no. subsequent viewings. I've noticed. But uh, yeah, the first time I watched it, I didn't sleep at all that night. I mean, it was. It really got to me, and uh, I loved it. I loved that that happened, but it hasn't affected me that way since. No. I thought it was the scariest movie I've ever seen in my life. Really? Well, I I admit, a grudge is scarier than The Ring. I think The Ring overall is better storytelling, um, but I do think that The Grudge itself, the movie, is scarier. Um, I I, I don't think any of them compared to the Juwan series, those four movies, to me. In my opinion... um, since the 2000s, that, that's the best franchise we've seen. Juwan? Juwan. There's four movies. There's there's two movies called The Curse, and there's two movies called The Grudge. And you have to to watch them all in order is the, is the best way to do it because it's, there's a lot of jumping around. But um, I think they're brilliant, and they're actually scary. 
Yeah, that's one of the things I remember because that Dave and I had talked about because I wasn't aware of the. I knew about the Grudge films, but I was not aware of the what are the other ones? Curse. The curse. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I was not aware of those films. I only knew about the Grudge films, and then he told me, "No, there's more to it. You have to, you have to watch them all," which I still haven't done. But <laughs> I they're, not, they're not easy to get. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can download them somewhere and send them to you or something. Oh, thanks. I should mention that. But do watch them. <laughs> you really should. And oh fuck, what was I going to say about those movies? The funny thing about the Curse, they were made for TV movies in Japan. <laughs> the first two movies. Then, One thing I love about the Asians is uh, they're twisted. Yes. They're yes. twisted as fuck. And um, Takashi Miike is... Oh, wow. Uh, he's incredible and will do just about anything, <laughs> which is is phenomenal. And it's not just a shock for shock's sake. I mean, there's usually... They, they tackle uh, elements and themes that you just don't see everyone else doing. And... Um, so yeah, I mean, there are some really phenomenal Asian films out there. One, um, Old Boy um, yes, right. is one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, Audition is another one of my favorites. And um, I saw Did The you? Devil is. I insane. saw The Devil. Oh, that was good. Wow. So good. Yes. They're the new revenge movies. You don't see that too much in the states. Like like we used to get those revenge movies in the seventies, and people mm-hmm. go on those killing rampages. The Japanese have been you know making a habit of this since the two thousands. They they've done several good ones. Oh yeah. Oh, they're great. You guys see Itchy the Killer? There's another one. Man. Oh yes. You ever see Charles Bronson and uh... Death Wish? Death Wish. Death Wishes. Oh. Right. <laughs> Until they got ridiculous. <laughs> no, but still, it's the same premise. It's a revenge type situation. So, yeah, no, uh, I, I love revenge. Best revenge movie ever is the Kevin Bacon one, Death Sentence. Never saw it. No, oh man, you gotta watch Death Sentence. Unbelievable. Sleepers was a good revenge film that Kevin Bacon did. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I heard that one too. Well, he's been in everything. You can. I, we should make a game where you just try to connect Kevin Bacon to every. Someone should do that. What yeah. a cool idea! Yeah, like you connect them to every actor, because he's worked with everybody. I feel like <clears throat> it's pretty amazing. I'm, I'm going to come up with something. Yeah, I'm we can base a whole show on it. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be pretty. Uh, I want just. I want, I'm trying to do something fresh and new. Kind of like six degrees of separation. Oh wow! That? Yeah. Yeah. You could call it Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon, yes! Oh. Holy shit! Fucking this is like Tusk, how they came up with this on the air and then it became a big thing. Brilliant. I think, oh my god. Okay, don't say nothing. I don't. I might even c- cut this out because I don't want everybody else getting this idea. <laughs> Alright, well from there, uh, <laughs> you know, beyond remakes of remakes and Japanese remakes and remakes of this, remakes of that. So where do we go? Scream is done. Uh, that shit's over with. You know, we got a taste of something called Audition in 1999. That gave a couple people ideas, and they were brainstorming for a couple years. So what happens? Well, we already did the slasher thing. That became too fun. Gore is whatever, but I think we could take gore to a new realistic level. No, we're not going to uh, found footage just yet, guys. Relax. That's like uh, two more steps here. Uh, 
right now we're going to go to torture porn. A lot of people are even mad that it's called torture porn because... <laughs> yeah, but they don't mean porn in the literal sense, as in sex. and They mean it as in... Gratification. I mean something purely for gratification, something that people get off on, you know, um, people getting off on torture or watching people being tortured. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, you know, a larger trend is a return to the extreme. Graphic violence that characterize much of the low-budget exploitation films that we've seen in, you know, like the post-Vietnam years, such as, like I said, Audition, Wrong Turn. And Wolf Creek, you know, part two just came out last year. Uh, they all took their cues from Last House on the left, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Hills of Eyes. You know, this is like an ex- the an extension of this trend was the emergence of a type of horror with an emphasis on depictions of torture, suffering, violent deaths. You know, like I said, torture porn is disparagingly labeled, you know. It's it's a modern reboot of the splatter films going back to the Hammer Horror era. The latest cycle emphasizes intense gore, grunge, and torturous violence. The Saw franchise is the most successful franchise of, of this type of thing. You know, it's considered um, the first and latest crop of the splatter films, which uh, the first installment is 2004, James Wan. It was followed by, you know, Hostel with Eli Roth. And that's where once you got Saw and Hostile, then this became a thing. And, and that's where the moniker torture porn was coined by, uh, I think his name was David Edelstein. Yeah, he was a, a journalist right? who was, I think, specifically talking about Eli Roth and Hostile when he yeah. met, when he coined that term. Coined that term. Coined that term. <laughs> <laughs> you meant to do that. <laughs> sounds something yeah. sexual. Coined that yeah. term. That sounds hot. Can you coin my term? <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, Saw, Hostel, Wolf Creek, Devil's Rejects, uh, Itchy the Killer. And that's not Itchy from Itchy and Scratchy. That's a whole other person. <laughs> Even though you kill that. That's kind of torture porn, too, in a way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant, though. Someone should do an Itchy and Scratchy thing with Itchy the Killer. Like, make a cartoon of it. Mm-hmm. With them in it. You know, Itchy and Scratchy. and Yeah, that'd be cool. So, now, this period of horror, I gotta admit, when... There, there's this show uh, that I listen to frequently, Banana Laser, and they did. Uh, I know it's it's a horror podcast, even though it's like a weird name. You're probably like wondering what I'm even talking about. Not familiar. Yeah, Banana Laser. They. It's fucked up. It's I know it's hard to imagine. It's actually a horror podcast, but um, so they these guys they did a retrospective on Saw, the Saw franchise, and I never even watched Saw. Until these assholes decided to do this. And then I had to watch so I know what they're talking about. So I didn't watch any of the Saw movies until 2014. Except for Saw 1 and 2. And by the time I saw Part 2, I checked out. I was like, this movie sucks. I thought Saw 2 was terrible. Still thought it was. On rewatch, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was, but it was still bad. Um, So, I think the Saw movies, for the most part, are solid. I'm into them. The Hostile movies, part one was, like, you know, new and interesting. A new a new look on, a new take on horror. I saw part two, and that's supposed to be better. But believe it or not, believe it or not, I, I went to watch it last year also. And I'm not sure I finished it. And I'm not saying that it was so bad that I couldn't finish it. I just, uh... 
it didn't it wasn't gripping to me and i'm not sure if i was distracted and had to leave the room or if i just wanted to like stop for now and just watch it the rest later <laughs> but <laughs> believe it or not i think it was like after some lady slid a guy's throat and was bathing in it or something in the blood but i never finished it so i don't know what that means i don't even know what it means i guess it means it didn't it didn't compel you to watch it all? You weren't dying to see how it ended? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That I don't know. So <laughs> Would you say like, you would you enjoyed the podcast more than the movies themselves? Oh, oh, it's for Saw? Yeah. No, I think they were equal. Oh <clears throat> I definitely enjoyed the podcasts more than the movies. Wow. Okay, well, okay, wait, wait. Let's get specific. Okay, Saw 2 sucks. <laughs> Saw... The movie or the podcast? The movie. Okay, we're seven. not talking about the podcast anymore. Sorry. All right. The, the movie, okay. 2 and 7 are, are, the, are my least favorite. I, I believe... Okay, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond that, I'm okay. 4? Four, 4, I didn't think was that good either. Um, I like 1, 3, 5, and 6. That's it. I like 1. Jamie, come on. The other ones are good. No, they're not. It, okay, by what? the time... Okay, now, I actually did... Was it part six, Dave, yeah, that I did? Yeah, you liked it, okay. you said. I actually did part six on Banana Laser. I came on for that. So in order to prepare for that, because when they had been coming out in the theaters, I stopped at five, and I never saw part six. So in order to prepare for to discuss part six, I had to go back and rewatch all the other ones, and I did it in one day. See, that was your mistake. That's your mistake. I did it all in one day, and by the time I got to the end of that franchise, I was so depressed from (laughs) the amount of green filter that was being used. Um, It just – I seriously – I couldn't – I was in a bad mood. I was yelling at my kids. I was I was cranky. I was just it was bad. It was really bad. And then was it part six where it actually I think it's part six where they actually kinda of climb out of that and um don't use the green filter. And that's the that's why I ended up liking it more was because they got away from that and it was kind of like a fresher breath air. A fresher breath air. A breath of fresh air. What is wrong with me? I'm listexic. Um, it was, um, a fresh of breath It was like air. a breath of fresh air compared to the torture that I had just put myself through for 10 hours previous. So um, I, I did actually like that one better than the other ones. And um, But it was so – I mean watching them all like that is a really bad idea. Yes. Don't do it because I'm telling you, you need antidepressants. Or you need to remove all the sharp objects from your home because <laughs> I was at an all-time low, oh, and uh, you gotta go it was, back and do it again. But one it was week. the yeah. worst mental state I had ever been in that I can recall. It was really bad. Wow! Wow, it's like an epilepsy thing, you know? It's, some, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just too much come things. on the green. I can't stand the green. Everything is so fucking green. I'm so tired of it. Like stop. I agree. And that were t- the early two thousands is when that shit started up, man. Yeah, everything was green and fucking blue, and and, and everything. And yeah. I'm like, that does not. Uh, there are a couple of key films that used it to their advantage, and when they first do it, like when it first was being used, it was different. It was interesting, and it actually it had the effect that they wanted. But when everyone started doing it, <laughs> it lost the effect, and it really just got monotonous. And I just, I'm sick of just one color films. It just, 
that's why I love whenever I go back and watch like a Bava film or an Argento film or something where they revel in color, where they they're just all about it, and then like you've got that fantastic Italian melted crayon blood. It just it it reawakens me and it, and it brings me alive because in recent years we have had nothing but monotone films and it just it makes me sick you know what and about sepia tone they never really did that past texas chainsaw that it again can can be effective but if people were to do it a lot eventually it would be really old i just i need the vibrancy i really enjoy the use of color and when everything is green or everything is blue which were the two major ones it's it's hard. It's hard on it's hard on you mentally, and you don't even realize it until you put yourself in a room with those for like ten hours straight, and then you realize, <laughs> holy shit, that's really yeah. Hard. But you know what? That's, that's I think it's unfair because I think Dave, what he is saying, and I'm saying, you could even take the best album, and if you play it for ten hours in a row, it's a fucking nightmare. Not it's not. I mean, okay. This marathoning movies for 10, 12 hours straight is not unusual. That's not something I... Yes, it is. No, it's not. That's not something for me. I do all, it's not for me. Oh, for you. This right. is something I do all the time. I mean, on the weekend, I will sit down in the morning and start, and then I will watch, do nothing but watch movies all day long. And I don't have that effect. The only time it has ever done that to me was when I was watching the Saw films. That's it. I took them all back, and I don't even own them. I own the first one. I took them all back to the video store the next day, and the guy was like, are you okay? Holy <laughs> fuck. <laughs> It's like he overdosed on some type of drug or something. <laughs> <laughs> but here, here's the thing, Jamie. Have you ever watched the same shit the entire day? You mean the same type of movie? Like with yeah. Saw, for instance? Um, well, I mean, I'll do days where I watch Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, you know, Land of the Dead, you know. Thing, and like, they all look similar different. Things, but they all look different. Yeah. Saw is really the only franchise where everything looks exactly the fucking same. <laughs> Even the Friday the 13th, which I do that with all the time, and you know that. I watch Friday the 13th in a row, particularly if a Friday the 13th rolls around. That's what I'm doing all day. So, But even they look different. You know, It's the same kind of film, but they all have their own specific look, and it just doesn't get – monotonous like that i think the reason is because it's all the same color there's nothing different about them it's all dank and dark and shadowy and green and it just um yeah like ring was blue right right and grudge i think the grudge was kind of bluish bluish yeah 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 that 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 was a thing like let's screen put a screen of of dread over our movies and you know with the computer age they were able to do that and they took advantage of it yeah i mean and if their intent was to drive you into a nut house they (laughs) almost did it (laughs) they came really close (laughs) so let's move on from this to that. Let's go to the French extremes. You know, we did Japanese that blends into torture porn into French extreme. You know, in the mid 2000s, torture porn was given a major boost within the horror industry by a new wave of French films. And this is what I love, which uh, became internationally known for its extremely brutal nature. Uh, and obviously, the premier movies here are Martyrs, Inside, High Tension. 
fuck, I've only seen it one time, and I paid money for it for, for the hot tension version long before it came to U.S. theaters as high tension because it was one of these movies that people were talking about on the internet saying, you got to seek this movie out. So I ended I think I got it on eBay for like 30 bucks or something like that. What? That, yeah, well, at the time, it was the only way you can get it. Just like the Juan series, same thing. You just couldn't get it. Luckily for eBay, back then, you could do shit. Now you can't get anything. But anyway, I, I got the movie and I watched it and and loved it until the end. And I still own the movie, still remember really liking the gore and everything, but never went back to see it. Never, never have not seen it since. Hmm. Well, we talked about the movie Inside with Tony T, Terrio. And uh, so we did a full review on the movie Inside. I think you could find that in the late 90s of our shows, right? Like 96 mm-hmm. or 7? Yeah, it was like toward that. the end. So uh, you can look for that review. We gave a full in-depth discussion on that. Me and Jamie both highly approve. There was a couple of weird things at the end with some cop, but whatever. Uh, Martyrs, believe it or not, I've never seen Martyrs. Mm. Martyrs I love. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I'm crazy about Martyrs. Um, also, did you mention Frontiers? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, um, that, I love all of these French extreme films. I do, but Martyrs is is tough. I remember... I watched that film because we were going to cover it on Last Blog Radio. This is <laughs> way back in the early days of my podcasting when I was working with Bo. And we were going to cover it on that show. And so I watched it, and Bo said, give me a call after you watch it because, you know, I want to – there are some things I want to talk about. And I said, okay. And so he sent me a message. He's like, are you done yet? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I just finished, but give me like 20 minutes <laughs> because I – I couldn't talk about it right away. I was like, I need some time for this to sit in, to, to sink in, for me to be able to percolate on it and think about it. Because it just, it was too. <laughs> and the thing about that movie is it starts out as one movie and then switches gears on you a little ways in. And then it's just, uh, I was not, I did not know what I was walking into. I didn't know really anything about it. And I wasn't prepared. And um, I was just like, holy shit. But in all the best ways, I really love it. It's just um, – and I've heard people say that they didn't, that they didn't enjoy it, that they didn't like it, that they, didn't, that they weren't affected by it. You know, and okay, everyone's different. But uh, for me, it knocked me on my ass, you know, and I really had to let it sink in before I could even discuss it. Just on a – not even on the show. This was just – he just wanted to talk to me friend to friend. And I was just like, well, give me a minute. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. They're, they're all very good. Martyrs, Frontiers, Inside. Uh, like I said, I, I spoke my piece about the high tension. Um, well, there's a couple other ones, but those ones, man, they're all. I, you know, I can't say anything bad about it. But Martyrs is definitely the, uh, you know, the pick of the litter there. Fucking top notch. It's very cerebral. And I love it for that. Um, my personal favorite is Inside, which is why when whenever we did we did cover that, that was my suggestion, um, because I, I love it so much that Inside is my personal favorite. But I I absolutely love Martyrs. Frontiers is good. It's really good. I think mm-hmm. that um, predictable. It takes a lot of. from like Texas Chainsaw and right. things like that, and and you can kind of see where it's going. But it you know it's still. A really good watch. High Tension. I absolutely love that movie right up until the very end. Just like me. Yeah. And 
And it irritates the piss out of me. Yes. Because, like, why? Why did you do that? It was perfectly serviceable just the way it was. I, what is wrong with being straightforward? What's wrong with that? And I, yep. I just... I just wanted to punch Alexander Aja in the face. Hey. Oh, Aja. <laughs> Not- well, that's how it started with you, Aja. <laughs> yes, that's exactly how it started with me. Right. That and his re that and his remake of The Hills Have Eyes, which I was yeah. irritated about too. I can't believe um, you didn't like The Hills Have Eyes. That was good. I just yeah, feel like with that one, I feel like it's just shaky all over the place. And it was like wall to wall freaks and it but it yeah. was an insane number. These weren't like regular freaks. This was like, yeah, this was like cool. freak extreme, you know. And it was like fucking American Horror Story freak show. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, doesn't need to be that freaky. Settle down, pull back. Right. Settle down, Beaver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so as far as the the French films go, I love them, and people who love. Um, just balls to the wall gore. If they haven't seen those, that's where they should gravitate because uh, they weren't pulling any punches. They were not afraid. They just put it out there. And uh, I have a great deal of respect for that. Fucking Frontier, or not, not Frontier, Inside is so gory and cool. I just have three major problems in the plot that went for me. And I wish they didn't, but th- there's too many things that, are, that just are not plausible, which makes it fall <laughs> back to me. Uh, it could be a five star movie. But instead, it's like a four-star movie just because of something. I'm just like, just fucking yell. There's people at the door. Scream. They'll hear you. Problem solved. There's like three situations in that movie where I'm yelling at the screen saying, why? If not for that, I love the movie. But but it is what it is. I still have a lot of fun with this. It's, it's gory. It's a good story. All right, guys, so there's two more phases in horror. Three, it depends how where you want to go with the last uh, little group up. But So now, for everybody who didn't like what's going on right now, you got found footage. You know, found footage is a genre of horror films uh, at this point. It's b- bigger in horror, probably, would you say, guys, than anything else? Any other type of film? Or is this common? Uh, right now, yeah. Unfortunately, yes. Oh, come on. It's like left behind footage from missing or dead protagonists. Uh, unreliable source, maybe. You know, um, The events on screen are seen through the camera uh, of one or more characters involved in the movie who uh, often narrate, sort of. They speak off screen, you know. Uh, they're walking around talking with their camera. Yeah, so the filming might be done by the actors themselves as they recite their lines and, you know, the shaky camera work, the naturalistic acting is usually, you know, employed here. They try to make it sound like they're not acting. They're just talking to their friends. You know, there's a whole different way to speak. Uh, acting is different than real life. So they, they're they acting like it's real life. It's pretty uh, interesting. So, you know, while the genre dates back to even the 80s with Cannibal Holocaust, you know, this has been done before. It became hugely popular by the time Blair Witch Project came out in 1999, the end of the 90s brought found footage to its its uh, the foref- uh, forefront, I guess, if you want to say. Um, <clears throat> Paranormal Activity decided to base a whole franchise off of this, this whole idea, and they knew they were going to make one after the other after another if the first one was successful, and it was. Um, and they even have a spinoff 
apparently. Apparently, uh, Paranormal Marked Ones is not part five, I guess. I never I never knew that, but I didn't look that into it. I, I, everybody else seemed to know that, though. Yeah, it's disappointing. Yeah. Um, I don't even know how do, you, how do you have the rights to say Paranormal Activity, though. Uh, because it's made by the same people, or at least it's produced by the same people. So why can't it just be part five? I don't get it. Well, because there is a because it is an offshoot, not dealing directly with uh, with the same story. There is a part five that was supposed to be released this past October that didn't make it. Yeah. Well, you heard a, the story behind that, right? Yeah. With the whole, um, we talked about it? it on Devour a while back. It was one of the news items. Yeah, the Ouija thing. It, Ouija or whatever was supposed to be released around the same time. I th- wait, what? Ouija. Yeah, that's it. That that uh, <laughs> don't even get me started with that thing. That and, was um, crap. That piece of shit. Oh, it was great. I never saw and it, but it was great. A sequel. Oh, oh my I god, know. I heard that. That's what yeah. I don't understand at all. I like, <sighs> did you watch this movie? And you're gonna make a sequel of it? Dave didn't. So bad. No, nope, but it's yeah. a piece of shit. It actually made my number <laughs> it made my number two worst movie of the year. It was number one until I remembered detention. And then that made number Oh, you one. hate that movie. Oh, god. god. He does it. Yeah, but I paranormal to... activity. Let me say this: it doesn't deal with the what do you call it? The girls. One, two, three, and four deal with the sisters. So, so the new one or, or this the marked ones deal with a whole other yes, a whole other situation that somehow becomes relevant in their world. Oh, so it's not really some hot Spanish was, people too. But yeah, but the highlight for me of marked ones was not you know not the Spanish people. I mean that's brilliant, but. That they brought back Molly from Paranormal Activity Two. That yeah. was that was enjoyable to me. That was good. It was yes. Really, I actually liked the marked ones. I thought it was kind of cool. I love what they did with the me Simon. Too. I thought that was fun. Yep. Yeah. It was a good movie. It was. I, I just made my, my list. I uh, did have. There, there were two issues that I had with that. One was I really don't see. Them, I understand if you just get a video camera, you're going to be taping everything because of the yeah. novelty of it. But there are a couple of instances where I'm like, I don't see you playing a basketball game. And then immediately after the basketball game, picking up the camera and filming yourself, changing your clothes or going to the vending machine or whatever it was they were doing after the basketball game. That's just mm-hmm. a re- Also, they filmed themselves going to a bodega. Why? You know, it's just some things I get. Some things I They're just kids. You know. by the time, yeah, but by the time they'd gotten to that point, I think the novelty would have worn off because being kids, you know, <laughs> the novelty lasts for like a week and then, you know, you throw it down and go do something else. And so they're not sociopaths. They're narcissists because they're not intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> well, but these kids didn't have much. This is all they had. Are, are you trying to say because they're Spanish? A low-income area. Well, you saw where they lived in that apartment complex. So think about that. All of a sudden, they get this camera. It's probably the greatest thing they ever had. No, wait. I, 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 you know, I, I get it. Like, and I think for like the first couple of days, you would film everything you did. I just think after a while, you'd put the thing down, you know, mm-hmm. and, and maybe only film the really interesting stuff. I just don't think I would ever film myself going to a bodega. Yeah, I mean – if they're going to do that, why don't they film themselves taking a shit? Because only you do. Right. Literally. You took a shit and put it on YouTube and got more hits. Th- uh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the green apple splatter. Michael, Michael J's green apple splatter surprise. I just... <laughs> at least he didn't talk about liquid shit again. Yes, correct. It's formed this time. 
<laughs> it became solidified. <laughs> yes. I just wish that guy recorded himself banging that chick in the – oh, God. She too. is the hottest girl of any movie in 2014. You're welcome. Yep. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I, I don't I, remember I her even. I said, look at her. Oh, I, I looked her up on on Twitter. And, okay, I won't get too creepy. You want me yeah. to get her for an interview for you, Alex? Yes, I would. Okay, I'll, I'll get off the hot Spanish chicks. You got the movie Wreck, which is not American. It is what? Spanish. Mexican, I believe, for that. For Mexicans? That it was yeah. Spain. It was no, Was it Spain? Spain? Yeah. Okay. Why did I think it was Mexico? And Wreck stands for R-E-C as in record. As in record, yes. Yeah, so that's uh, found footage, clearly. One of the best found footage films ever made. Amen. Well, actually, franchises as Jason. Yeah, the franchises. Actually, I just watched Rec 4 a couple weeks ago. Not so good. That, that's not good, right. It's not that great. But um, the original is astoundingly good. I mean, just yep. insanely good. I bought the original on Blu-ray, and it turns out it was not my region, so I couldn't even watch it. Oh, no. Do you still have it? Uh, yeah, it's somewhere in my closet, I think. Well, Quarantine was the American version of that film. Yeah, that yeah, was why didn't good. they make four of those? Well, they have a, they have two. They do have a second one. It's in a, it takes place on a, an on airplane. A, on a plane, which Flight of the Living Dead already did. So, ah. And then you got a, a ginormous success, in my eyes, and I think in the world, Cloverfield. Oh, God. <laughs> you okay, Mike? <laughs> no, I no, I liked Cloverfield. I really did, but it's just ugh. why. But what? You, you liked the monster till the end of the movie. So what? It was a cop out. We saw bits of them. We saw what we had to see. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like uh, Godzilla where it, it destroyed the movie. It, it, well, yeah, Godzilla was a flaming fuck? pile of dog shit. I'll okay. tell you, I didn't see Godzilla, but here's what I'm tired of. Everybody's saying that. Here's the deal. I'm sick of hearing people complain about fucking... I fell fucking... asleep, Dave. What? I fell asleep at Godzilla, Dave. I just can't... Here's the deal. People always bitch about freaking <laughs> how they're tired of seeing the fucking the antagonist on the screen. Keep them in the shadows. Do this. Do that. And then have it have a big climax at the end. Then when they do it, they complain that the fucking... <laughs> I don't ever hear anybody bitch about that. Dave, you when have do to I ever Godzilla? hear anybody complain that I've never in my life heard anyone complain they've seen the monster too much? <laughs> really? You no know, one like says Halloween. that. No one's like, I, don't show me the bad guy. I don't want to see the bad guy. Keep that yes. bad guy, especially you, if it's a monster. Think? If it's a fucking monster, you want to see the monster. Yeah, like, I want to okay, see Godzilla fight too, and I didn't get that. Like Pacific Rim was was robots fighting monsters and that's what you got through the whole damn movie and it was fucking awesome godzilla was a bunch of people talking you know and there was about 15 minutes no i'm being i'm being generous there was about 10 minutes of godzilla in that movie and when you did see him it was pretty cool they're just the rest of it was just so i checked out i only paid attention when the monsters were on the screen i mean i was i was still going and i'm still you know there but i was doing other stuff and then when the monsters came on screen I actually really got like sat down and watched it. I think I watched about 15 minutes of that movie actively watching it because the rest of it was just annoyingly people. I I did cry when Walter White died, though. I will say that. Oh, the actor that. Okay, I think you meant it. it. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) Alex, how about this? Halloween 2 (laughs) theatrical. There we go. What is your problem? What's one of your problems with that movie? With what? In the in Halloween, 
Michael was dipping into bushes. He was this and that. The first time he saw his fucking mask was at the goddamn end when he choked, uh, <clears throat> what's her name? Uh, Linda? Oh, Linda, okay. And in part two, you're fucking watching him walk through the goddamn town square. He's fucking... But the point is, he was always on screen. There was no more mystique. Yes, and you bitch. He wasn't always on screen. Like, what mystique did you need? It was you were already familiar with what he looked like. That never bothered me. I never even thought of it. He was. They just missed the point. But I'm saying I have heard people say before that they would rather keep their monster in the shadows until the climax. I've heard people complain that the killer was on the screen the whole movie and it took away from the mystique. Of course it does. And that. Well, there you go. That's what I'm saying. That's one example. Alex and Halloween too. So what I'm saying is, I'm hearing people complaining now about Godzilla. How you don't see the monster till the end. It just yeah, but that's like... Godzilla, dude. Yeah, if I you, don't know. I never saw. It. Don't then don't call your movie Godzilla if Godzilla is not going to be in it. <laughs> well, that just puts asses in seats. But here's that's the all. thing, Dave. The difference <clears throat> is that Halloween, Michael Myers was in the whole movie. In Godzilla, it ain't like you just see his tail and he keeps walking or something. Like, you don't see anything. I, okay. I'd rather what not about see Cloverfield? That. You just said it's okay that you don't yeah, see the Yeah, but Cloverfield was found footage. There's a, there's a difference. Cloverfield was in – was. I mean, in a real-life situation, how many, exi- how many opportunities are you going to have to see a full-on monster? Yeah. Um, if you're looking – if you're just looking through the eyes of the people, which was what Cloverfield's whole intent was. You, even then, you still got to see some of it. You yeah, know? you did. It was enough. It peppered it enough throughout the movie that it was – I didn't think anything about that. No, I, th- I loved that whole thing. And uh, Cloverfield did something that hadn't really been tackled successfully since Blair Witch, and that was the marketing plan. They did the whole viral marketing thing, which was insane, and um, people were so excited to see Cloverfield well before the movie even hit the theater solely because of the online marketing campaign, um, which, of course, Blair Witch was the godfather of, oh, yeah. of the online viral marketing <laughs> campaign. Yep, um, they are. They made it seem as if that was real, and I do regret. I've still never seen Blair Witch. Don't, please don't. Yeah, I know. That's why I didn't. Because everybody I... hates it now. It's the opposite. Just like with Scream, how everybody complains. No, I always hated Blair Witch. I always hated it. I so never really liked it. I, 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 I like it. There, I really like the beginning and I really like the end. In the middle is where I get bored with it because Heather Donahue is a pain in my ass. Oh, and I'll God. Just scream and cuss the whole time and I and get bored. And then gets not on the camera. Jesus. Yeah, that drippy nose. You know, I remember I walked into a room one time and this movie was on. And I'll tell you this. All I heard was fuck and shit. <laughs> that's because all, that's all she says. Right. And fucking shit. Fucking shit. I was so turned off. You know, we curse on the show, but that's just because we're being human beings. I mean, we're just talking like we would talk uh, it, with our friends. But I don't I, – I never would say that kind of stuff every sentence. That's just obnoxious. And I remember I was in the room and I feel like I heard shit or fuck every five words and I was like, what are you watching? And and it's the same reason I don't watch Sopranos. One time I walked in. Oh, that's great though. I know, but my parents were watching it, and I went in there, and it was like this fucking guy, motherfucker, fuck, 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 fuck. And I was like, what the fuck is this? I mean, I'm participating. And I was like, I just, what is? I don't. That's why I'm so happy that Sons of Anarchy and Breaking Bad are on normal TV. I am so thankful. And people like, oh, can you imagine if they were on HBO? No, I don't want to see them on HBO. 
Because I don't want that language every five seconds. It's so obnoxious. So, yeah, I agree with Jamie or whoever said that, that girl, nothing but cursing. Maybe so. And I haven't seen it in years. But I have to say it should be respected for what it was. It's just like with Scream. Uh, We were saying earlier that when Scream came out, a bunch of people shit on it now because of everything they came out after. No, you're and, right. And I don't I have to say I don't shit on that movie because of everything that came after. I shit on that movie because of the movie itself. But No, that's fine. No, I'm kidding. That's strong. I don't even shit on it. I don't. And I do agree that it needs to be respected for what it is because until that movie came out, no one had ever done anything like that before. Well, no, the last broadcast. No, I that was about the documentary. I'm talking about the marketing campaign. Uh, I'm talking no one had ever attacked a marketing campaign, had ever utilized the Internet for what the Internet could be used for up until that point. It was astounding. It was amazing. It was something that that, um, hit us all broadside. There were people who, after they watched the movie, still thought it was real when they were walking out of the theater. Those of us who read Fangoria, those of us who paid attention to what was going on in horror, we knew it wasn't real. We were ready for it. But the people in the mainstream who didn't have a clue, they believed that shit. Yeah, I didn't have a clue, and it pissed me off. (laughs) <laughs> because no, no i'll tell you i'll tell you why because you know that fucking thing cursed the blair witch it was like a special on sci-fi or something yeah oh, i remember man. that i actually taped dumbass, it and watched it my dumbass watched it they released it on vhs i bought it and i watched it and i'm like these motherfuckers are really dead i'm like this is fucking i cannot believe it and then like <laughs> after the movie comes out i realize they're alive i'm like motherfucker you fooled me I'm like, how dare you fucking do that? You realize they were alive when Heather Donahue started showing up in Steak and Shake commercials. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, you know what? I'll fucking go out there and shoot her myself so she's really fucking dead. Really, Mike? You were disappointed? I, th- I think it's great that they fooled me. I like to be fooled. No, I want to be fucking surprised. dead. They deserve well, to die. They went into the woods looking for a fake fucking witch. They deserved <laughs> to fucking die. Maybe so, <laughs> I'll tell you when something. she was in the woods going shit shit fuck 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 well, shit yeah, because she couldn't deal with the fake fucking witch she yeah, should have died I wish she was dead I wish she was <laughs> dead to this day Heather Donahue let's look her up let's I'll look her, her up well, and go to I can tell you she's not dead that off. much I can tell you oh Mike now you gotta go on life go get her I fell for it <laughs> there we go <laughs> you did and so did I Dave But no why because someone told me at the time I was disgusted with the state of horror because it was the end of the 90s and I took a step back for a few years I wasn't reading Fangoria anymore I was out of it I was I actually took a step back for like two years and during this time uh, this this this, this uh, high school girl came to me at my pizzeria and said, "Hey, she goes, did you hear about this movie? It just came out, and it's about these people. They really got killed, and they found a tape in the woods, and this and this." And she goes, "I saw it at the movies last night. I was so scared. I'm like, what? Are you serious?" So that was going, me. Wow. Right, going by what she said, I rushed right out and see it, saw it, and I was blown away. And I was like, oh my god, I, I actually believed it. So they fooled me, and I'll give Sucker. them credit for that. I'd rather be fooled. That's great. It's like when yeah, I watch a wrestling and something surprises me because nothing ever does. So I'm like, great. that's the best part of the experience if you buy into it. I mean, why? You know, why right. not? That's the whole experience. Like I thought, I thought Hogan really put Rock in an ambulance when he hit him in the head with the back of the hammer. <laughs> when he hit him in the back of the head with a hammer, I'm talking like Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> that's a mice. Gonna... <laughs> hit him in the back of the hammer with a head. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. 
In the hack the bammer. Say it, say it like a- Yeah, you switch your actual letters. Hack of the bammer. Nice. Uh, That's in the hack with a bammer. So, 19, you know, Cannibal Holocaust is 1980. Italian cannibal film directed by Rigaldo Delato. <laughs> the film is a, is a, tells a story about a missing documentary uh, film crew who went to the Amazon to find a cannibal tribe. And they did. So, this... It's funny. Why do you guys feel that this was not touched upon for 20 years? Because of because of the hatred that a lot of people have for that movie. A lot of people just right. want to sweep it under the rug. It's not been a movie that's ever been accepted by the mainstream or that has ever been viewed, you know, by the masses. I mean, there's a select few people who can stomach that film so because they killed the turtle and it was a little too realistic it didn't exactly sit people didn't respond well to the realism so they said well let's not do any more realistic movies pretty much right i mean plus you had other things that were coming along at the time i mean that slashers were about to hit at the time and when they did they fucking took over i mean we already discussed that they just they took it and ran with it so it just didn't hit at the right time i guess yeah. That's a, you know what? You know what? A film that we never talk about on this show is Friday the Thirteenth. Exactly. <laughs> Do you want to get into it? I mean, I'll I'll get into it. Yeah, it's, it's Let's hit three and six right now. <laughs> what about three and six? Let's hit them right now. Let's do it. Okay. Let's stop the show and, and let's go right into a retro of only three and six. Do you want to talk about Friday the Thirteenth? Because yep. I think we should. I mean, it's been a hundred and one shows. I think we should eventually get to it. <laughs> Alex, what's your rating for three? Uh, Friday 13th Part 3? I'm going to give this, you know, after rewatch, you know, Richard Brooker was in that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give this movie half a... an hour, guys. I got half an hour. 3.5. Oh, sorry. Uh, Jamie has a live show. We can't F around. Uh, See, I'm trying to say F now because just my anti-Blair Witch. I, I want to touch on the found footage thing real quick because I just thought of something. All right. There's faces of death and there's traces of death. Which yes, one is real? Which one is fake? Seriously. They're both fake. They're both fake, yeah. But some, some of it's real and some of it's fake in both of them, actually, for that matter. So yeah. can, they, can that be considered found footage or no? Uh, or is that just documentaries? For something to be defined as found footage, it actually has to be the entire thing has to be made up of, of the one event or, you know, the, the same people, at least. Whereas, like, with Faces of Death, which I was huge into when I was about 15. <laughs> like, right. I was crazy about the Faces of Death movies when I was, like, 15, 14, 15. I hated the monkey brain shit, man. I wanted to fucking kill those people. <laughs> I loved it when I was young. Now I can't stomach it. I actually haven't seen them since then. Me neither. So it's been, what, four, 50, 60 years since then? <laughs> but I won't watch it either. 40 years, Jamie. Get it right. For our first 42 nice. years. 42 years. Nice. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> you dummy. <laughs> so, yeah, you got the found footage. Now, that's not over with either, if you haven't noticed. Uh, that's still going on. 2015 we are, like I said, for you 2032 people. <laughs> So now we're into what happened with horror is this. I don't know if it's like because it was all remakes and then it was all torture porn, which doesn't really sit well with the general public. You know, it's it's panned, basically. You know, people put that down. You know, Japanese. I don't know if anybody put that down. French. I don't know if anybody put that down. But there's not enough of them to really sustain. So what, what do we do? Where do we go? You know, besides remakes, all you could do now is expand. 
And the way horror expanded was they decided to move over to television. And that's the newest. This is the end of Horror 101. This is the last stop. Television is where horror is. You got zombie mania in, in, in television, man. It's like, you know, 28 days later, 2002, uh, 2007, 28 weeks later. Uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake in 2004. Yeah. That and then you got Shaun of the Dead, two thousand four. Uh, I don't know if they were. It's weird. They came out the same year. I, I wonder. Uh, you could actually buy them when they came out on DVD. They were sold in a two pack at Best Buy. That's how I bought yes. them. Wow. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the, that resurgence actually led to fucking George Romero blowing his own dust off his fucking head and and writing some new shit. And he came out with. Uh, like Land, Land of, of the Dead, dead. in 2005, um, Diary of the Dead, and then Survival of the Dead. Did he do another one? At, after that, no. Survival more. of the Dead was the last one that has been released. But yeah. He's supposed to be doing more. He just yeah, I think yeah. Diamond yeah. Dead is supposed to come up or something. Oh, just stop, dude. Like, I, I saw Land it's of hot. the Dead. You know? Oh come on! I saw cash Land of in. the Dead. Yeah, he cashed in. He did. I mean, because of The Walking Dead. I mean, the The Walking Dead is what really brought it to the mainstream, and what and what. I mean, that's the reason I think a movie like Zom, like Zombie, what, what's the name of that movie with the the comedy with Zombie Woody Harrelson? Oh. No, <laughs> but no, Zombie Land. Zombies was really good, though, by the way. But uh, Zombieland, yeah. I mean, that's why Zombieland did so fucking well in the in the mainstream is because the mainstream had already been primed by The Walking Dead. I mean, you've got grandmothers watching The Walking Dead. You've got little kids watching The Walking Dead. Everybody loves zombies now. Zombies are everywhere. The, um, the fucking CDC released a survival plan in case of zombie apocalypse. Now... The whole point of that was just so you can survive any kind of apocalypse, but they figured the public would take it down easier if they put zombies attached to it. Yeah, you know, true. Yeah. I just I just finished an in case of zombie in case of zombies break glass apocalypse thing that I have hanging on my wall right now. That's right, I saw um, that. Yeah. yeah, the zombie survival guide, which was written by Max Brooks, which also that in World War Z. Also, all of this stuff came together at all around the same time. And you were just getting zombies from everywhere, and you still really are. They're in, you know, commercials. Oh god, I think I think uh, a zombie handed a human being a, a Big Mac. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's Ugh. zombie Verizon commercial. Zombie, um, okay. I mean, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah, it's just crazy. Even at, you can go to the if you go to the shooting range, you can have a target. They have zombie targets. You know, oh God! No. Yeah, as everybody knows, I'm the one person on Earth who's not into zombies. Me either. No. Did I look? I tuned out after The Walking Dead uh, season three and a half. I've been sick of them ever since. So yeah, I, I wow. fucking can't stand them. Well, I've always loved zombies. I've loved zombies my entire life, and that's never going to change. I don't care how popular they get. It's not going to change. I, I love the idea. I love everything that they stand for. Yeah, I love the idea of zombies. Like, uh, back to Michael Jackson's Thriller video. Uh, I thought they were cool. Awesome, yeah. Well, Alex, I love you, and I had that, you and I had that conversation where we you know, tried to decipher why you aren't so crazy about zombies. And I think we pretty much nailed it right. in that conversation. Yeah, there's no depth to the antagonist. There's just, there's nothing. It's just faceless nobodies. Oh yeah, they're like, uh, yeah. Uh, like I, 
brain that shit but how come i don't see the fun or how come i don't see the uh because it's not fun it's <laughs> mind-numbingly boring no you really you Dude, think i can walk around and be like brain. yeah but the, yeah, the but beauty of brain. the beauty of a good quality zombie story isn't even about the zombies it's, it's about, about the, the people right and protagonists right. yeah Absolutely. But I don't, you know what it is? I don't care about the protagonist. Like, even in your favorite movie, Jamie, Dawn of the Dead, I'm watching it and these people are in the mall and I'm like, well, I don't know, uh, what the fuck? Like, is it just me or do they not give give enough to the audience to even really like these people? Like, to no, me. Well, I don't see that. I, I, I really like them quite a bit, but, yeah. you know. Or like, yeah. take Walking Dead. Why do you think everybody fucking loves Norman Reedus so much in that show? I mean, his Daryl character is the number one character on that show. Because they stole from Sons of Anarchy. Obviously, that's why they like him. <laughs> yeah, but Walking Dead, like, the, se- the second season with Herschel's farm, oh my, that just... Oh, no. Oh, horrible. Even Walking Dead apologists, which I am, will, will openly say that season two was a little bit of a drag. They spent way too long at the farm. Yeah. But the, that was simply money. They spent money building that farm and i'll be god they were going to use it <laughs> well that that's what just... that's what killed the show for me so if they wouldn't yeah, but... have stayed on that farm for so long i guarantee you i thought the farm was better than the prison to me season three was the weakest i got tired of the fucking prison i'm not surprised that mike bailed at season three and a half honestly i liked every two was fine season two was fine because i actually liked the drama between the two men and who's the father of the baby and the other shit going on and Herschel with the people in the barn and his daughters. I was actually Oh, I into loved the... his daughters. Oh, God, yeah. I love his daughters. Well, I love them too, but I was into the drama of the show where season three, to me, is the worst. There hasn't been a bad season, but season three is my least favorite. But, Mike, you should get back on it because season four and season five were great so far. Yeah. That's what Netflix is for, I guess, if they <laughs> choose to try but, it. But, Mike, you're watching Sons right now. I know. I got to get through Sons first, damn yes. it. Yeah, fucking Sons. This show is turning into, we're replacing Friday the 13th with Sons on the skeleton crew. That's oh. how much it comes up now. <laughs> Please do it. Oh, no, it doesn't, Please you do mother it. effort. Every show, Sons get comes up. Get out of here. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it's but, true. Jamie? No. Come on, Jamie. Jax is my own personal savior. Continue. Yes! Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you, and I also think it's hilarious that Alex just called you a mother effer. I know. <laughs> I'm cleaning up the show. <laughs> oh God, Alex! Just say the full uncensored motherfucker. Come on. Alex is getting clean. It's it's not gauche. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm a genius. I, I decided that cleaning up was the best idea. Um, oh, God. Actually, Mike, you missed it. We talked about Blair Witch, and it was so oversaturated with cursing that we just couldn't stand it no more. So I'm trying to I, – I became self-aware. Did you said he was here? Was he here? Yeah, I was here. Yeah. Oh, shit. I was here for oh, that. Okay, sorry. My mind's, I'm, presence is so unnoticeable. I, I know. I'm just – I'm the silent partner. I'm the silent skeleton. You are the low-hanging fruit, brother. Exactly. <laughs> I'm the low-hanging fruit. I'm the low-hanging fruit that gets the lowest end pussy, and that's no pussy. So, okay. Oh, you're a loser. Stop working that blue-collar job and, and go to my level. Ah. Oh. There is uh, Bates Motel. There's Hannibal. American Horror, American Story. Horror Story. Oh, that's the best show on TV. Uh, Salem. Lords of Salem, you said? No, Salem. <laughs> Just Salem. I wish Lords of Salem be made into a TV show. Yeah, that would Sleepy be so Hollow. trippy. Yeah. Sleepy Hollow, which has made a return to the monster of the week. Ah, oh, um, nice. The Dave Z Nation. How about that one? Dave Z Nation. There's a whole. Man, I, just, Z Nation. I love Z Nation. <laughs> There's a whole following. Z Nation is fun. 
Yeah, I love the Z Nation. Yep, of course you do. <laughs> uh, wait till the 15th, everybody. This is Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com with all the skinfo from the latest movies. Nude on the Always Reliable Stars Network, Lisa Slabber set a course for the high sea cups on black sails. Lisa bared her bountiful rack and back and even sported a fantastically furry merkin. We don't condone piracy, but we wouldn't mind stealing another look at that booty. This is the Mr. Skin Minute. Nude on Showtime, Season 5 of Shameless continues to be the source for plenty of brazenly bear babes. Emma Greenwell showed off her shakers, and newcomer Morgan Womack made us whack with a brief look at her beauties. If you make a mess to Shameless, you'll be blameless. Also nude on Showtime, former SNL star Jenny Slate tickled our funny bone on House of Lies. While peeping on her neighbors from the front lawn, Jenny bared a butt that's definitely worthy of some slapstick. With an ass like that, Jenny will make you master Slate. MrSkin.com. Fast forwarding to the good parts. Hey everybody, just in case you don't know, the skeleton crew has branched out. We decided after show 100 it's time to stretch our legs and embark oh god my legs feel so good they're so stretchy <laughs> oh yeah it's time to get into non-horror uh you know you got your cast here all four of us matt Wazell uh, appears on the show as well and that's he's a- the owen assholes remember <laughs> right. he puts the owen asshole he's the hole in asshole <laughs> that's it Make sure you, you know, we feed this into the same exact iTunes that, you know, you listen to this show. So if you're an iTunes person, you'll get unlistenable. You'll just download it. It's automatic, right? Yeah, yeah. It, well, if they have it set for that. Um, if you're on our Facebook, you'll hear about unlistenable. It's um, impossible to avoid. Um, I try to add as many views as I can to that new group page. So if you don't know, go to Unlistable Assholes group page. It's like Facebook slash group slash Unlistable Assholes. That's our sideshow. And it, we that pun is intended. It's a fucking sideshow. Ah. <laughs> to the umpteenth degree. So we hoped you enjoyed Horror 101, guys. We didn't teach you anything. Sure we did. Unless, yeah, I was going to say, unless you probably aren't familiar with some of the contours of horror, right? Yeah, I mean, it was just a fast and dirty run through, you know. I'm sure there, oh, are, lots of, there are a lot of things that we missed, but it, it's just, I mean, you could write a book on each of these subjects alone. So, you know, we're just trying to run through it for uh, just the fun of it, really. Yeah. I'd be willing to say that we all learned something on this show. I didn't. Oh, you didn't? No, I'm kidding. I'm, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I learned everything about horror just now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, it's a pretentious title, but we're just goofing off here. We're having fun. Um, so it was a fun walkthrough. It was a fun journey throughout horror. And it's not like we did this now. What else is there to talk about? No, there's plenty. Don't worry about that. So we got uh, Skeleton Crew number 102. Uh, we don't know what that's going to be about, but we mentioned how we really like the movie House. And we've been doing the commentary thing lately where we watch a movie along with you guys and, you know, we talk over it like obnoxious retards that you would kick in the back of the head in a movie theater. Oh, that would feel so good. Yeah. Oh, God. I'd, I'd get off on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were asked to do the movie House, 1986. So that's going to drop. You know, this show right now is dropping on February 2nd. 
2015, and the the house commentary will be. We like to do mid month so that it's exactly halfway through the next show. So it'll be about February 15th or 16th. We're going to release the house commentary. So look out for that. I like that. Cool. I love that movie. So that was a big movie that got me into horror big time when I was a kid. So there you go. Uh, So, guys, thanks so much. Again, uh, Dave, Jamie, thank you so much for the outline and the meat of this entire walkthrough of horror. Yeah, thanks for the meat, guys. Yes. (laughs) We love the meat. Dave supplied the meat, actually. Now, I know you're a short – never mind. I, I always supply the meat. Yeah. Hey, listen, I'm going to leave you for a brother if you don't do better next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Sam the Butcher bringing Alice the meat. That's it. <laughs> Can we go bowling? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> with Alice. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I bowl with 300. Yeah, this is Skeleton Crew Horror 101. Guys, we're glad to be back. We were going to leave after 100 shows. Uh, we really wanted to leave by show 92 and, and, and so on. But, you know, we love you guys and we want to stick around. So we're going to deliver subpar entertainment from here on in. <laughs> Some things never change. Jamie and I are thrilled to have Dave Z join the cast. And we are ecstatic to have the Michael, the legendary Michael J, co-founder of Skeleton. I'm really not that much of a legend, though, sir. I'm just trying to build you up so people. I think you're a legend. Well, thanks, Dave. That's you're nice. welcome. Wow. Somebody thinks you are. Uh, You know, he's back. Michael J. is back on the skeleton crew.